it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere Thursday at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. It's the Dearly Departed podcast featuring your host, historian Scott Michaels and filmmaker Mike Dorsey. All right, welcome. It's another edition of Dearly Departed Podcast. I think this is episode 32. The lucky number 32. Yes, and uh, I'm Mike Dorsey. And I'm Scott Michaels. And this is Dearly Departed. Welcome. Uh, How's it been, Scott? Good. I've been, uh, it's been good. It's been cold here in Palm Springs. It goes down to the, the, actually down to the 30s it went one night. So it's been it's oh, been wow. cold and windy here for the winter, but yep. um, but but we had a ninety one degree day the other day, so it's all getting back to normal. Oh, that's but, nice. Um, <laughs> I was in uh, I went to L A a couple of times since uh, since we spoke last, and uh, and uh, a couple of days ago I went. I met up with my friends uh, Trey and Jaws, and we went to Omens. We went to see David Omen. Stopped oh, right up on, on Cielo Drive, yeah. And he's How's he doing? Uh, he's. He's doing very well. It was he's in he's in he's in David Omen form, and yes. uh, we had a nice <laughs> afternoon. He actually he uh, he let us check out the house next door, that's for sale right now. That was the Asen family house, Jim Asen's house. The young kid who the housekeeper when uh, here we go again Manson. But when the housekeeper <laughs> right. discovered the bodies at Sharon Tate's house, she ran screaming down the driveway and ultimately ended up in this house next door to David Omens. And uh, so we got to go through there. So that was that was kind of fun. And uh, the curse of Benedict Canyon continues. I went up to look at Jay Sebring's house and got uh, up to his driveway and got into an accident. So that oh wow, what the first the first it wasn't any big <laughs> deal, but it was the first car first any kind of car issues I've had uh, in many many years that were uh, a um, an accident a, a, a bump. But uh, so yeah, but the curse just, continues. Just think of all and the times that you've driven tours up there. Do you know, I, and I think, have we talked about this at my, uh, that my, on the, the anniversary, the, the day of the anniversary, the 50th anniversary, my, my van caught on fire on Cielo Drive. Did we ever no. talk about that? Yeah. No. It was, <laughs> it, you know, the 50th anniversary was crazy. The, the, the Tarantino movie was coming out. So there, I had, I had a lot of involved with a lot of that energy with that. I had, um, uh, well, Deborah Tate was was kind of I was on her list of people she wasn't fond of that week because mm. we had a 50th anniversary 
thing and it was a celebration of the 60s the whole thing was like anti-murder the night of the anniversary we had this event at raleigh studios and we had friends of sharon's come to speak well it didn't matter to deborah and i and i it doesn't matter but anyway i had that kind of energy aimed at me david wanted us to come up big time wanted us to come up and i had like three tours going on that day and i had probably you know maybe 75 people come from all over the country it was just a stressful, tense day. Uh, someone I know who is a uh, 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 very in tune with psychic things told me, don't go up there. Whatever you do, don't go up there. And it was huh. just a crazy day. And on the anniversary, we went up there with a group of people and my car caught on fire. And my van, which I, every 30 days, my vans are, you know, serviced and, and right. double checked by mechanics. And I'm, I, you have to check the vans every day to make sure all the belts are there and the fluids are there. And bam, my van caught on fire on the anniversary. So Cielo drunk, say what you will, but <laughs> I will. <laughs> well, speaking of anniversaries, uh, we just passed the 75th anniversary of the Black Dahlia murder. It was a couple months really? ago. It's yeah. amazing. And I barely saw anything written about it, which is kind of weird. You know, it's funny with I, I, that would have happened with the Tate thing, the Manson thing, if it not for not for the Tarantino. You know, I'm sure those people would just true. kind of eventually fade away. I mean, it's a different time in that there's there's a lot more information to consume from those. You know, the 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 victims of 1969, whereas Elizabeth Short died in 1947. Was it? Yeah, 47. I think so. It, it was um, a 40, yeah, 47. So there's not a lot of media at that point we have still images of her and uh sure. so that, that has a lot to do with it i think but largely you know getting to be forgot uh the black dahlia it's, yeah, it's uh, a little interesting weird. Yeah. Now, yeah coincidentally you posted a story that the um the john soden house which was hodell's house was broken mm -hmm. into yeah. recently yeah. apparently it was a robbery yeah. Um, yeah. The one that uh, uh, Steve Hodel claims his father killed the Black Dolly in this architecturally significant right. house in yep. Hollywood. Uh, 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 Frank Lloyd Wright or Lloyd Wright. Lloyd uh, Frank Wright. Lloyd Wright's son, son. Yeah. It's a it's a cool house. I got to go in it once. I love and, it. It's known um, as the Jaws house. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really distinctive uh, mm -hmm. because of that. It looks like the shark from Jaws in the poster. <laughs> But uh, the thing about Hodel is that he said that his father killed him in that secret room. Have you been in there? I've in never the, been. I really want to go in there. And I, it's a popular filming location, too, which is kind of yeah. funny. I've never yeah. been. Well, the secret room was literally maybe two feet wide. You know, it's <laughs> it's not, you know, it's like behind the entertainment center of the house now. You know, it's it's just, huh, it's, that's funny. it's not really a room. But it is a secret as in like a bookshelf that moves and things like that. But it's yeah. not it's not like um you know they made it sound but <laughs> but uh but still anyway cool room. place yeah <laughs> and also used in uh what the black dahlia no um the aviator the aviator that was a great mm. movie about howard hughes leonardo dicaprio and uh ava gardner's house that we used for that and this shows it was also um i think it was in an episode of uh studio 60 on the sunset the the short-lived oh god Drama. I've show. seen it, I've seen it in commercials before yeah. too. I think for a while it was owned by some advertising executives who would just rent it out for productions, because yeah. um, it's such a cool space. It was also just really... the thirty fourth anniversary today. I think of Divine's death. Thirty four is it? I think that's what you wrote on Facebook. Oh, is it? <laughs> did I? Um, <laughs> <laughs> want to, want to yeah. double check? <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. I did write that. <laughs> 
<laughs> but yeah, it's a point of divine. And then it, also this week was a John Belushi anniversary. So uh, right, I was going to so say that a few cool. days ago was the 40th anniversary of Belushi's death at the yeah. Chateau Marmont. Yeah. So uh, and that's a that's an interesting place that bungalow Belushi died in. I always thought I, I've read since then quite a bit about the Marmont, and I always thought that the bungalows you know were fairly recently built, but uh, mm -hmm. but they've been part of the hotel for for many decades. And uh, and um, and that was also where Anthony Bourdain used to stay all the time in that bungalow. Oh, uh, wow. Of, uh, of bungalow number three and that Belushi knew, died in. Knowing that it was Belushi's? Probably. But also, you know, Nick Ray, think. the director, uh, stayed in there for years. And he, mm. you know, Marilyn had been in that uh, bungalow. And James Dean had been in that bungalow. I mean, it's it's been that. Wow. They used it for the rehearsals for Rebel Without a Cause in 55 <laughs> or 4. So, uh, you know, it had been, it's got a lot of a really cool history to it that I didn't know uh, mm. uh, until fairly recently. But, um, yeah, it's a, it's a, the Marmonta. God, I love that place. I love that yeah. place. I got to meet somebody I've always wanted to meet the other day, too. Very exciting. Do you know who Mary Warnoff is? Uh, that name sounds very familiar, yes. Mary Warnoff, is, she was in the Warhol factory, you know, back okay, in, right. in, this, in, the, in, the, in the early 70s. And, and, uh, and she's a really distinctive look. She's one of those androgynous people. Mm -hmm. I got turned on to her from Rock and Roll High School. She played, played Miss Togar, the principal in Rock and Roll High School, which is how I got turned on to the Ramones, too. Mm -hmm. But she's been in a ton of Corman movies as well. Uh, uh, Hollywood Boulevard, Death Race 2000 and uh and uh, rock and roll school but anyway she's she's an artist and i've wanted to buy one of her paintings forever and then you know i figured i, I one time i ran into her at my supermarket and i was like i couldn't even speak i was so excited <laughs> i was like you know you're you oh my god i love you so much but anyway she's doing an art exhibition and they showed uh they showed uh, eating raul that was the movie that she did uh that made her kind of you know big in the cult circuit what started it and uh they showed a screening of that and an art exhibition i bought one of her paintings and then uh in a couple of weeks she's doing a rock and roll high school screening so i'm very excited about that so mary warnoff that was a cool thing to uh to actually yeah i love meeting her that was neat that's I was awesome really excited i couldn't even you know it was one of those people that you know there aren't that many people i want to meet and <sighs> uh and uh, i've met some cool people too i don't want to sound you know like you know i don't care i do care a great deal but this, she was somebody i really wanted to meet so it was right exciting. that's awesome um, I wanted to promote a, I just discovered this Twitter account. I put it up on our Facebook. It's called Daily Laurel Canyon. Oh, yeah? And it's entirely dedicated to the Laurel Canyon music scene of the 60s and 70s. And it's really fascinating. I think it's a fairly recent account that just launched. I don't know the person who runs it. I just came across it. Um, but they've been posting tons of content, uh, photos, videos, music, everything covering that whole history and, and some decent write-ups on stories. Is on Twitter? Yeah, it's Twitter. It's a Twitter account called Daily Laurel Canyon. Okay, I'll have to definitely uh, really check cool. that one Seems out. Really cool. Seems like a, a cool person running it. Um, I wanted to promote that. I, I have no ties to it, but I thought it was really cool. I stopped at the Canyon Country Store when I was there. Oh, and, right on. Uh, and oh god, you know, I, you know what that place is like. I just get so excited when I'm there because it's mm -hmm. such a, it's such a. Oh my god, it's such an unassuming place. Right. And it's got so much cool history. Um, I know just they they sell um they sell wine there occasionally Laurel Canyon wine but whenever I go there I ask if I can use the bathroom 
and they're really nice there. And they say, yeah, 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 sure. So they go to the back of the store and you go down these stairs to the bathroom, which is actually under the store. Oh, wow. And they say, they say that Mama Cass lived there and that's, that's just not true. <laughs> I mean, it's never, you know, I mean, God bless them. You know, they own the Canyon Country store. They've had it for 40 years, but they still talk about Mama Cass living there. That never happened. However, Jim Morrison did live behind it. We mm -hmm. know that he wrote, you know, the Love Street song, especially, you know, there's the store where the creatures meet. Um, but they, but it's still, it's really kind of cool to go to the Canyon Country store and then go back there. Cause it's like an old store used to be, it, it's what it is. You know, it opened up probably in the forties, I think. And, yeah. um, I know it's just really, it hasn't changed. I hope they never mess with it. And, um, I, I was really, I, I love that place so much. I really do. There's not many places you can go to in LA that still have that kind of magic uh, right. to it, you know? Um, have you have you seen this uh, uh, the new Elvis movie that's coming out from Baz Luhrmann? No, I haven't seen anything about it. It looks wild. Why? Well, I mean, it's Baz Luhrmann, so you get that's what you get. You get that production. Uh, but Tom Hanks is playing Colonel Tom Parker. <laughs> really? And okay. It's basically like you know a biography on of Elvis. You know, obviously centering centering on his his career, his, his entertainment career. But yeah. It looks pretty fascinating, I have to say. I mean, it's a big spectacle, which is what Lerman does. Um, but I'm pretty, uh, I don't know, I, I'm cautiously optimistic about it. It looks really cool. The trailer's out if you guys want to look it up. I think it's just called Elvis. Definitely want to. Yeah, yeah, because the guy who plays Elvis is Tex Watson, isn't he? Oh, is it the same actor? I think he is. That I think I don't yeah, know. I think, yeah, I'm pretty sure of it. And because <laughs> um, this is like his first, <laughs> his first thing. Um, but yeah, the guy that plays Elvis is Austin Butler, who played Tex Watson oh, in wild. Once Upon a Time. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that'll be interesting to mm. see. I don't know. I mean, I only know about Moulin Rouge from Baz Luhrmann. That's all right. I know. And that's one of my favorite movies. I haven't, I haven't seen it since it came out, but I just loved it because it was like living in a dream. It would be a great movie to do like Mushrooms too, or something. Yeah. This looks like that, but it's Elvis. It's crazy. Yeah. 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 Cool. I look forward to that. Definitely. Um, kind of seems like it might be like Tom Hanks is, as Colonel Tom Parker might be kind of like the narrator, kind of almost from his point of view. It, it, that was kind of the vibe I got from the trailer. Hmm. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. I mean, he's in it, but it also sounds like he's kind of like it's his. Yeah, it kind of brings now. the story around. Yeah, sure. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I know nothing about the movie, so it'll be uh, <laughs> I'll definitely look at the trailer. Oh, uh, just to, just as an update for people, I did drive past the LaBianca house and it's still there. It hasn't been torn down or anything. Okay. I stopped at the Monastery of the Angels, which is that monastery that's in the center of Hollywood, mm -hmm. which has been there since the 20s, or at least the monastery, the, that cloistered bunch of nuns have been there around <laughs> since the 20s. They're still there because that's, that's supposedly been sold and they're on a month-to-month -month lease now, so... The, just the fact that there's a monastery with cloistered nuns in the middle of Hollywood is just <laughs> crazy. But they're still there. I stopped at the El Coyote and saw our friend Billy, and that was that was kind of neat. It was, it was I was there for one day with with I said my friends uh, Trey and Jaws, and uh, packed a lot of stuff in. And um, yeah, so it was a it was a good day. Good good to be back in L.A. Good to be you know, back home, I, too. I was away from L.A. for a few years, and it was always, like, more special when I came back to visit L.A. for a weekend or whatever. It always made it, I don't know, it was always, like, more special, it seemed like, to go around and see the places, because you, uh -huh. you don't see them every day. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I don't know. I, I agree, because you can't pack everything in, and you want to go, you drive past stuff, you go, <laughs> oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, I want to do that. And, uh, right. So maybe it makes you, uh, leaves you wanting more. 
Um, all right, do we have any hate mail? Hate mail. Uh, lots of lots of hateful comments, but nothing really creative, uh, <laughs> except for one, which is kind of I just kind of funny. Uh, there's a, a there's a the find a death on Facebook. We have the Dearly Departed podcast, and also there's a group called the Death Hags uh, of Dearly, Friends of Dearly Departed Tours. I think it's what it's called. And, and my friend Jane mm-hmm. Osborne and, and Doris Cook they both moderate it. You know, it's 100. percent They're in it. They're the ones that approve people, et cetera, et cetera. And um, and I rarely hear anything about. I'll pop in and stuff, but uh, I don't. I don't. Uh, really get involved with it too much but anyway somebody suggested or wrote to me <laughs> this exchange well it isn't an exchange because i just ignored it to begin with and i guess that was the problem so somebody said um would you be so kind to add me to the dearly departed group no i didn't say because i don't do that you know it doesn't it's not mm-hmm. up to me so i ignored it and then uh, the next message fine i will answer your questionnaire which is beyond annoying and aggressive and doesn't ensure true fans are the ones applying uh. Okay, so <laughs> go. And then I get another one saying, hello, I answered the questionnaire and have not been accepted. All right. So, okay. <laughs> Today. <laughs> Seriously, who the fuck are you to ignore my... <laughs> ignore my- <laughs> <laughs> it escalates so fast. I know. Seriously, who the fuck are you to ignore my messages and my application to the group, you ugly, unfuckable loser fuck? <laughs> it's like, okay, we'll step away. <laughs> step away from the keyboard. <laughs> We're all a little stressed, all right? It's okay. Just let them I, in. That made, that was, rarely do I laugh out loud at nasty comments. No, I usually uh, do that. Somebody failed the questionnaire, <laughs> you unfuckable fuck that's so that's really good i'm gonna have to remember that one seriously i like that was good that's awesome i uh the only i mean we don't really get hate mail we, we keep getting positive reviews of the podcast which is always nice especially on itunes which is where i think a lot of people hear us um but the, the, probably the only big complaint we get is that we don't do enough episodes or we don't do them yeah. often enough uh, you know it yeah. was a couple months since we did the last one and you know really we just we do this we don't have a set schedule we do this when our schedules align and when you know when it yeah. we're, we're, you and i are both doing other things too so we we do this when we can yeah um, yeah and we also do the the special patreon episode that uh it's confusing to people because i have my own patreon page for dearly departed youtube right and so and then we also have a patreon page for this on mm-hmm. the podcast patreon page exclusively for the podcast you you get a whole another episode uh right. of uh for exclusive to patreon uh so we do there is a you know that's a easily 60 to 90 minutes worth of uh content for the bonus episodes and we just did another one of those patreon episodes um like 10 days ago or something like we can have yeah. two weeks ago yeah, so one. so when I post this to YouTube, directly below this video will be a Patreon uh, link to the podcast Patreon episode. So yeah. this is solely for the podcast and solely for our Patreon-only episode mm-hmm. on the podcast. I just need to make that clear because it, it yeah. confuses me, and I don't want to be insulting <laughs> to the people who are already right. supporting you know, our page or my page. So that's... You don't want any more unfuckable fuck emails from people. <laughs> you just want people saying, really well, nice. I already sponsor you. I should get that. It's like, it's a different thing. And that's why it's yeah. hard for me to explain that. So, And the, the podcast Patreon is only two bucks a month. 
Right. And you get the whole bonus episode. So, yeah. So that'll be the link below this episode. You will see Patreon for the podcast. And that that's where you'll get the bonus episode. So I just wanted to clarify that. So uh, do we want to do the main feature? Are we ready? Sure. I'm ready when you are. All right. It's time for the main feature. And we are doing Bewitched which was recommended to us um, by a few people. And so, uh, you know, uh, we like to deliver. Yes. On what people, we listen. <laughs> we, we listen and we love and the pizza man delivers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bewitched, the uh, famous American sitcom that ran for eight seasons from 1964 to 1972. It was the, um, the highest rated show on ABC up to that point in time when it aired. And um, just a huge smash success sitcom, kind of a, a, a trend-setting uh, benchmark series. Um, but as a kid, I always confused it with I Dream of Genie because they were both in syndication when yeah. I was growing up. And they yeah. were both, you know, they ran around the same time period and they were both, you know, sitcoms about magic wives that had magic abilities. There was some crossover there. Um, well, yeah, that was a different network's answer. Right. Which, it's like the Munsters and the Adams family. Exactly. We got to have a magic woman. Yeah, <laughs> we have to have a magic wife show with a grumpy, uh, a grumpy male figure. You know, it's right. just yeah, right. we got to do that, right? And, <laughs> which, uh, but yeah, I mean, talk about a cast. I mean, all these people in this show, every guest star, every extra. You know, from like a billion other TV shows, you know, like Bernie Koppel, who, who mm-hmm. was in like 10 episodes, was in, you know, the love, but he was in Courtship of Betty's Father. He was in all these different shows from the 60s, uh, uh, you know, all of them, Sandra Gould, Bernie, you know, those, um, uh, uh, anyway, we're going to get into them all, but, but so yeah. many of these people were stock actors of the 60s TV shows and, um, and and had a great had great reputations and visibility and uh, it was a great show it was a great show yeah I watched um, I watched one episode from season six that uh, Deacon Jones was in uh, the football oh, yeah. player <laughs> yeah. yeah it was a it was a Jack and the Beanstalk thing and he was like the 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 guard at the gate was played by Deacon Jones. Back when it was really popular, it seemed like for for famous football players to become actors. Brady Bunch had a couple of those, didn't they? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, a couple of guest appearances. Is that the one? That was the one with Johnny Whitaker, wasn't it? Where he played Jack. Yes. Yeah. That's right. Yep. It's funny. Again, Johnny Whitaker, Billy Moomy, who was in Lost in Space. All those guys were on crazy show, Twilight Zones, and you know, mm-hmm. these, these guys. Oh, Andy Griffith, and yeah, it's nuts. But uh, but yeah, those and those were fun. I, they had to get sort of far fetched towards the end of, of the run to make them really imaginative and exciting. And and uh, and uh, yeah, I remember that episode very well. That was uh, it was creepy because they always show the guy from low low angles, you know. And right. the, the giant, and it was it was really creepy. Yes, the one where Tabitha goes into the storybook. Mm-hmm. The, the the daughter, yeah. All right, um, who do you want to start with? Uh, well, I mean, honestly, do, do you want to do you want to go with the like the most famous to the least? Which you know what? Let's. I was going to say, let's famous. start with uh, the creator, Saul Sachs. Asher, Bill. Oh, oh, Saul Sachs. Saul okay, Sachs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um. He was the creator, and what's really interesting is he wrote the pilot, and then he never wrote another episode. Oh, interesting! I he didn't was like, know that. All done. Send me the royalty <laughs> checks. I'm I'm rich for life. 
Isn't that fun, man? They, they, who knew, too? He said that uh, it was. He seems like it wasn't really an original idea. He kind of he was inspired. Quote, quote, uh, by 1942's I Married a Witch with Veronica mm-hmm. Lake and 1958's Bell, Book, and Candle with uh, Jimmy Stewart and Kim Novak. And mm-hmm. um, Sachs started out as a, a radio writer. And um, what's really interesting is when we did a whole – we talked about uh, Lucille Ball and we did our whole I Love Lucy episode. His first uh, sitcom writing credit after he'd written for radio for years was writing the television version of My Favorite Husband. Which Lucille Ball starred in the radio version. It's what kind of gave her a chance to go into television. Uh, and they wanted Lucille Ball to do a TV version of My Favorite Husband. And that's when she was like, only if Desi can be my husband. And that's when they were like, nah. And then ended up doing I Love Lucy instead. And My Favorite Husband ended up still getting made just with different cast. And Sachs, the creator of Bewitched, was a writer on that show. It was his first sitcom. I'm trying to think. I mean, I I, it's, I just saw that Ricardo's movie, and I think Saul Sachs is called out by name in that. Uh, oh, that would be cool. The, I think he is called out by name in that in like the writer's room uh, mm-hmm. when they're negotiating that. But but yeah, yeah maybe yeah. Talk about a, a guy, yeah, the, a, a television icon. And it's funny because he didn't do that much else after Bewitched. He really was kind of like well. I did it. I came up with my big idea. I'm rich. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't have a whole lot of credits after Bewitched. Because uh, a lot of times, you know, when someone creates a show like that, it's the beginning of a whole run of yeah. huge series, you know, for the next decade or two. They're, a, you know, they're a, a kingmaker kind of in the business. And it seems like he was satisfied to just do that. He'd already been in the business for, you know, 15 plus years. He had been a performer before then. So maybe he was just kind of like done. But he lived a long time. And he died on April 16th, 2011. He was 100 years old. Jeez. And he died from pneumonia. Wow. And that's interesting. I knew that um, – because that name is iconic too because it's such an, an unusual name. Uh, right. So when the show used to be on, it was like, oh, that's a cool name. I like that name. Mm-hmm. And, um, and uh, so – but I'm surprised because I'm not to say – I'm not belittling his career in any way, but I thought there would be more to it than, than that, you know, because his name is so iconic. Hmm. And I'm not saying that's all he did, but that's like kind of the, the thing he's known for. And that was yeah. kind of the, you know. So since we just mentioned uh, William Asher and and I Love Lucy, uh, we might as well mention William Asher. Uh, he was uh, the director of Bewitched, um, which is mm-hmm. interesting because now nowadays uh, in television, a lot of times episodes have their own, you know, each episode has a different director or, you know, a director might direct half of a season or something like that. Um, but he did, I think, most or all of the uh, uh, of the episodes of Bewitched he directed. And coincidentally, he had directed 102 episodes of I Love Lucy. Oh, that many? <laughs> yes. That's that really crazy? interesting. Yeah. His TV directing years went back to the early 50s, you know, the early years of television. So, um it's really wild. He also uh, directed a bunch of episodes of Bad News Bears series, Alice, Gidget, um, the short-lived Paul Lynn show that they did right after Bewitched, uh, the Patty Duke show, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I, I was shocked because he did those uh, – the Muscle Beach Party, Bikini Beach, How to Stuff a Wild Bikini. I mean all those all those you know beach films mm-hmm. uh, were, were William Asher's. And there was one episode – or one of those, How to Stuff a Wild Bikini and Buster Keaton – Buster Keaton was doing those, right? And they were they were pretty. He was he played this like pervy old man that was always you know 
just lingering, you know, a little bit too long around the young women. And mm. uh, but in one episode, Elizabeth Montgomery plays a witch, his daughter, uh, Buster Keaton's daughter in the episode, mm-hmm. which is kind of fun. Um, yeah, well, it, that I just I, it was I was shocked to see I watched those movies. I do see them a mm. lot. And to see Bill Asher is still kind of surprising. Um, and he uh, he passed away after, a, you know, obviously a very long career in Hollywood. Uh, and he passed away on July 16, 2012. He was 90 and he had Alzheimer's. He had, yeah, he had three kids with Elizabeth Montgomery. I mean, they were together for for right. a long time. As I understand it, he had a, a he was a, he had a drinking problem big time. And mm. uh, one, another one of his wives was Joyce Joyce Boulafont, who was another '70s actress, who uh, who um, was played Murray's Gavin McLeod's wife on uh, the Mary Tyler Moore Show. She was married to him as well. And uh, and said it was it was rough. It was really rough to to live with uh, with him during those years. And, um, you know, they maintained a friendship after they divorced because they had three children together. But they were Mm -hmm. close with Agnes Moorhead. They were close with Paul. And as you were saying, he was they were friends, but they were very good friends and they still still hung out Mm -hmm. together. And it was Bill Asher that got. Elizabeth Montgomery, the part, I think of, he certainly pitched her to, to be Samantha and the trademark wiggle of the nose was down to Bill Asher, you know, recognizing when they were married that she would make a, an expression and make her nose. Her nose never really wiggled, but, uh, but it was, it was really her, her upper lip. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was her mouth more than her nose. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, it was down to, to Asher who, who came up with that sort of gimmick instead of having to do a like grandiose gesture or something like that. And so people, so for anyone who doesn't know to catch you up, so Elizabeth Montgomery was the star of Bewitched. She played Samantha Stevens, the witch in Bewitched. And so she was married to uh, William Asher, who was the director of the show. And they had met a year before, I think, on a TV movie that he directed and that she starred in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, romance and then career. So they had a production company together called Ashmont Productions. So very, it's interesting, the, the parallels with I Love Lucy and this husband and wife team and having a production company together. And the whole reason I think that they did the Paul Lynn show was when they, you know, decided not to renew Bewitched after its eighth season. They had like a contractual obligation. So they're like, oh, well, we'll do this show instead to fulfill, you know, the obligation to the network. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's why that happened. Yeah, because when they when they split up, Asher and Elizabeth Montgomery, I think they made another season, didn't they? After after their breakup, uh, of they were like breaking uh, up during the the eighth season, I think. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, one of the, I guess one of the things that's blamed on the end the show ending was because their marriage fell apart, and I don't know. Maybe also it was just because they've been doing it for eight years. How much more yeah. is there to do? You know, <laughs> I know that she was over it. And she didn't even mm-hmm. want to do like the last season because they started recycling episodes. They just did the same episode again, you know, changing the plot line a little bit. But uh, there was a reason why she stuck it out one more season. But she was she was she didn't hate it. But, you know, what else can you do with this? You know, there's not a whole lot of we've done it. We've done every plot already. And, and this was uh, a time when they would do 30 plus episodes in a season. It's it's yeah. unheard of now. It's crazy how much, you know, you have to start recycling plots from other episodes. Yeah. Yeah. But I just, you know, I, I, I you know, it was one of those shows I, I will always, if I'm thumbing, you know, just flicking through TV ch- uh, channels, I'll always stop on it because it's always funny. You always, and I've seen them, you know, we've all seen them all, you know, there's the one with mm-hmm. dot, dot, dot. And, uh, and it's shocking because, 
some people have become so iconic. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Because of their appearances on Bewitched, but out of 260 or 250 episodes, you know, these people have been on like nine, you know, <laughs> right. they're, they're so synonymous with the show that, uh, that, uh, you know, it's almost like they were a main character through the whole series and it's just not that way, but uh, right. it was, it's a testament to how big Bewitched was as a show. Yeah. So, um, so Elizabeth Montgomery, the star of the show. Um, two of her real life pregnancies with Asher were written into the show. They got permission to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, as we know from, you know, doing I Love Lucy, you know, a decade before that was considered, uh, to have a pregnant character on a TV sitcom was, you know, pretty, uh, boundary pushing. Um, and I guess she was pregnant when they did the first season in the pilot and they would just kind of did the whole hide her behind things yeah. to hide the bump. And then when she got pregnant the second time, they were like, we're not doing that again. Let's just have her have it. Let's just have fold it in and have them have a kid. They've been married for a while by this point in the life of the show. Um, you know, yes. they start a family. People do reproduce. <laughs> <You know? laughs> no, so but it's, I'm trying to think if Bewitched ever went the route of, uh, of uh, the two share, sharing the same bed, they must have. They must have, like the Munsters did. So, so I'm sure Bewitched <laughs> did. You know, you know, they probably started as double beds or twin beds, rather. But, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, eventually they did show them. I think touching in in, in a in one vehicle bed. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, yeah. But she's another. Yeah, she was really active you know, on television, doing a lot of dramatic television, actually, surprisingly. Mm -hmm. And uh, un until uh, and then Bewitched happened and it went, boom, that's that's how we know her now. But yeah, her father and being Robert Bewitched. And then after Bewitched, she wanted to do she went back to doing more dramatic roles again. It's like she wanted to not be that character or be known yeah. as the comedian, you know. Yeah, one of her first projects was a case of rape. I mean, you know, it's like <laughs> it's like Samantha, but she was never she was never I mean, she was done with Bewitched. She didn't hate it, but she was done with it. And right. uh, but she was always really kind to people about it when when she was approached and she always answered fan mail uh about Bewitched. You know, she was always very she never was shitty about it. 
And um, there's no reason she would have been. It just she was just tired of it. But yeah, right. then trying to break the mold and doing that whole uh, um, Mrs. Sundance was another one that I liked a lot that she was in. Uh, and you know, she was married to Gig Young. Are you familiar with him? I know that name. Yeah. Gig Young was another one of those actors that was in a billion different things in television and films. He he was the original choice for the Gene Wilder part in uh, Blazing Saddles. But okay. he had a real he had a, he was supposed to be Charlie in Charlie's Angels, but he had a drinking problem big time and he couldn't even like be coherent about it. And uh, so they were together. Elizabeth Montgomery and Gig Young were together from 1956 to 1963. He had married. Uh, oh, and also his his just for backstory, his his psychiatrist was that Eugene Landy, the nut that was uh, after Brian Wilson, that latched on to Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys and ended mm -hmm. up like becoming the producer and co-writer of all Brian Wilson's Brian Wilson's music, et cetera. But anyway, um, uh, it was um, 1978 that gig young got married to his second his third wife i think it was and three months three weeks after they got married he shot her in the head and then killed himself Jeez. in in a in an apartment in manhattan so um <laughs> it's just a well, bizarre murder suicide nobody really knows why but clearly he had substance abuse issues and psychological you know issues and uh you know, it's wild how often that is especially a problem it seems like in that era mm-hmm Alcoholism, Lots of alcoholism yeah. and drug problems and just poor health and heavy smokers. And I mean, yeah. we've talked about this before. I just watched The Misfits for the first time, finally. Oh. You know? <laughs> I mean, which is wild, really, just because it's Clark Gable and Marilyn Monroe's last film for both of yeah. them. Gable died just days afterwards. Uh, it's kind of somewhat in some ways killed him, you know, in addition to his horrible, hell, unhealthy lifestyle. Um, Montgomery Clift is also in it. So it's just like, <laughs> and John Houston directed it. So, so you're talking about just like a disaster of, yeah. you know, people coming together. It's a miracle that they finished it. I think I saw that Marilyn Monroe said that um, something like Montgomery Clift was the only person she ever met who was more messed up than she was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That did come in. The other thing was that they, they, uh, her and Montgomery Clift, they say they recognized disaster in each other's eyes and giggled about it, you know. Mm -hmm. and, was, and that was another thing I did when I was in L.A. is I went to the telephone pole that Montgomery Clift hit. I made some video about that that I'll be releasing soon that, that kind of destroyed his brain. But uh, I saw you you posted that photo and I, I yeah. recognized it, yeah. That was uh, that was cool. But so, uh, yeah, very, very interesting. And, uh, the, yeah, it was alcoholics obvious, you know. There was – nobody was in recovery back then. It was – you know, Clark Gable, when he had his heart attack, was in his hospital bed with an ashtray clipped to it. Right. <laughs> it was like, yeah, he had know. a um, he had a heart attack two days after they wrapped production and died yeah. ten days after that. And yeah. anyways, it would be fun to do a Misfits episode actually, because that gives you an in, an intro to Clark Gable and Marilyn Monroe and I mean some great tragic characters. God, that movie's so show. depressing. Yeah, I did not. That's a that's a hard movie to sit through. I it was good, but it's it is yeah. not a lighthearted movie. Right. Uh, yeah. The the whole drama with Marilyn Monroe and Arthur Miller in the background. He's writing it, and he's really just kind of writing out his problems with her in it. And hmm. and um and I I he's probably the only I I was very impressed by her acting in it. Mm -hmm. It was there was a different la layer to her that I had never seen in any other movie. 
She's just very raw and kind of very super emotional and almost like, you know, I mean, in real life, she was kind of falling apart and she, her character is doing that. That's a hard movie to sit through. I, I, yeah, it might be. I mean, it's, it's it might be fun to delve into it. But uh, You know, something that might be fun to do one day, Mike, is to watch a movie together with the sound of the movie <laughs> off. So people yes. could it'd be like MST3K, you know, yeah, or like just, riff tracks. Yeah. Just that would watch be really a movie. Fun. That would be awesome. Just comment. Yeah. That'd be fun. We could totally Just do that. Start the movie now. <laughs> right, exactly. That would be cool. That'd be cool. That's a fantastic idea, Scott. We, we should, should uh, do that. If you're listening to this and you have ideas for a movie that we could do, let us know. Oh, my God. Sergeant that Pepper. That would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, all right. So, Elizabeth Montgomery was very, after she finished with, uh, you know, she did movies and television afterwards, really pretty straight stuff, not any real lighthearted, uh, you know, uh, Samantha E kind of stuff. She was doing dramas, police dramas. Mm -hmm. She was, um, she was an AIDS activist, uh, a gay rights activist, a women's rights activist. Um, when, uh, Dick Sargent came out of the closet who played the second Darren, she, and he, who was, who maintained a friendship with the grand marshals of the, uh, L.A. Gay Pride Parade. And, That's right. Um, he, had, he had just come out a few years prior to that. Yeah. And, you know, had embraced, finally embraced it. Yeah. Yeah. And she was uh, I, not a shocker, you know, to her. I mean, like everyone probably knew it. Mm -hmm. And um, this is another interesting thing I found out about about her. Now, I didn't. There's a producer named Richard Michaels on the show, and I remember because that's my dad's name. I used to clock it all the time, you know. And I saw, mm. and apparently, according to what I've read, that she had a fling with Richard Michaels, and that's what ended the marriage to uh, Asher. Was this fling that she had with him, and she also had an affair with Alexander Goodenough, the ballet dancer. Which I read is, about that. Yeah, yeah, it's just so interesting because they're saying that he was really in love with her. And she died, you know, when she died in 95, but so did he. He died like in later 95. And they say that that's part of the reason he, you know, drank oh, himself wow. to death, which also fits into Elizabeth Montgomery sort of gravitating towards heavy drinkers. Alexander huh. Goodenough died of alcoholism uh, a short period of time after she did. Or she didn't die of alcoholism, but uh, um, but yeah, right. so it's, it's kind of interesting. And then she hooked up with Robert Foxworth. Who uh, who was an actor, and I, I don't I don't know much about his career. I think that he was supposed to be J.R. Ewing or something like that, and uh, and he turned it down. Lots of people turned down some roles. And, uh, <laughs> That's crazy. He was yeah. So, but he and also just as a piece of trivia, Robert Foxworth is the guy who does the narration of the Helter Skelter audiobook, which is what? really good, <laughs> which is really good. <laughs> yeah, I read that they, they were together for like 20 years and then yeah. only married, you know, for the last few. Yeah, I, it does seem like a genuine love affair. And uh, and uh, he sounds like a really decent kind of guy. Stability sounds like because it sounds like the right. other stuff. The swinging 60s cocktail era is quite, you know, quite dramatic. And uh, so, um, so yeah, it was probably nice for that kind of uh, steady relationship. I thought it was interesting that she voiced uh, Samantha on an episode of Flintstones. I guess it was like a crossover thing. Yeah. You know, sometimes that would happen, um, you know, uh, and like Batman going on Scooby-Doo, right, with Adam yeah. West. Um, which I thought was interesting because the Flintstones was – 
produced by Hanna Barbera, who also animated Bewitched's opening titles. That the are so opening famous. credits, yeah. And oh, coincidentally, so cool. they also produced the I Dream of Genie animated spinoff, Genie. Oh, with Babu, the big guy in Apple Dapple. Mm, that that's guy. right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Wow. Hanna Barbera's got their fingers in all of this. <laughs> yeah, they totally do. Yeah, those are some iconic credits, the opening credits. Uh, that's yeah. so cool. Hanna Barbera, that's very interesting. Well, and we 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 would be remiss if we didn't mention that, you know, Bewitched has like one of the most famous opening sitcom theme songs ever. Yeah. One of the most recogni- instantly recognizable, even if you aren't from, you know, of that era. Yeah. You know, it's funny because there's a there was an album that came out of TV show theme songs a couple of years ago. And well, a couple of years ago, probably 25 now, but they <laughs> they would do the they would do all the orchestration. But when it comes down to the nose twitch, it's not the same one. You know, they use like the but xylophone or something. Oh, really? And then on on the soundtrack. But then you watch it on the Flintstones. And it's not the same thing. It's not the same noise that she made when she twitched her nose. Huh. And the same with uh, that How to Stuff a Wild Bikini. They show her doing the, the nose twitch, but it's not the same noise. And it's uh, it's almost, it's like disappointing when you don't hear the same noise, you know? It's like, like, well, would like the, the sound department of Bewitched not loan the Foley sound effect That's got to, to be it. That's the only way I can explain it because you <laughs> they, can't They were left on their own that. to come up with yeah. their own sound. Yeah, I mean, but like the Bewitched thing on on the Flintstones had Dick York, and they were the animated characters. So there's a, a you know, a, it can't be that that copyrighted. She was a witch, uh, you know, on the show, so right. they had to let it right. go. But for some reason, that noise, and it's very disappointing when you don't hear that noise. That 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 <laughs> the right one, you know what I mean? That's right. my ringtone. That's one of my uh, that's one of my ringtones is the Bewitched Twitch. <laughs> Um, another one of her other projects that she did, she did a um, a TV movie about Lizzie Borden, mm-hmm. where she yeah. played Lizzie Borden, you know, the famous axe murder story. And uh, I guess, I assume that this is true, after she died, it was discovered that she was actually dis- very distantly related to Lizzie Borden. Oh, really? Like a cousin, you know, six times removed kind of a thing. Yeah. You know, at a certain yeah. point, it's you know, you go back far enough, we're kind of all related, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but no, that is interesting, yeah, because like Princess Diana is married, is was related to Humphrey Bogart, you know, <laughs> it's right. like okay, all right, <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. I'm reading but, um, uh, Bogie's uh, bio autobi- or Bogie's biography right now. Are you? Yeah, it's one of those doorstop sized books, though, man. It's going to take me a long time to get through it, but it's really good so far. It's just called. How Bogart. old is it? How old is the book? I mean, how long ago was it written? Uh, I mean, I think sometime within the past, like couple decades, not, it wasn't oh. like a contemporary of him. I don't think so much. Yeah. Oh, interesting man. Um, I also thought it was interesting that she starred in a TV movie with OJ Simpson. In Which one? 1977. This is, this is just wait for the title. Um, she plays, um, they both play detectives who have an affair with each other. And the name of it was called a killing affair. Interesting. Yes, OJ was in a TV movie called A Killing Affair. Huh. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> if he did it, I don't know. <laughs> wow. That's it. Yeah, that's that's there you are. What's with Montgomery? <laughs> God. And, I, you know, the famous line I asked, I did a couple of short YouTube videos with Aaron Murphy, who played Tabitha and Bewitched. And uh, mm-hmm. 
And I asked her if it was true. I guess we'll talk about it when we get to Dick Dick Sargent. So we, we could talk about the pain. Well, no, we already brought it up, the gay pride thing, right? So I can may as yeah. well. I can address that. So I did, you know, the, the, some YouTube videos with Aaron Murphy who played Tabitha, one of the two girls that played Tabitha, mm-hmm. though Aaron Murphy was the one that was used the most. And I asked her if this was true. You know, Elizabeth Montgomery and Dick Sargent, the second daring, were the grand marshals of the gay pride parade in West Hollywood in 1992 because Dick Sargent came out of the closet and she wanted to show her support. According to legend, they asked Elizabeth Montgomery why she did it. And she said, it. I did it for the love of Dick. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I did ask Aaron Murphy, and I think it was, I think the quote was, uh, I think, the, well, it's, it's, I think the quote was mis, you know, twisted a little bit, but I think, mm. you know, I did it to support Dick or something like that, mm. but it's always been, I did it for the love of Dick. That was always the, <laughs> that was always the, uh, the, the joke. And so you asked Aaron Murphy about it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because she, I mean, yeah, she, she, well, she's become, you know, she's the only one that's left except for the little boys, you know, that played yeah. the twin brothers. And, uh, but she, she, she did confirm that she said something to that effect, but it was, the, the quote was, was. Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job, it's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Miss, you know, misquoted a little bit, just for, for, for oomph. <laughs> of course. But anyway, well, th- yeah, Erin Murphy, we'll talk a little bit about her later, I guess, when we get down to the cast, but... Uh, but Elizabeth Montgomery, she definitely had a sense of humor, and uh, and and it was clear during the show when she did the Serena character too. I mean, yeah. I think I think she loved doing that because it was no longer Samantha. You know, she could get she could get, you know get crazy and you know sing and and do all those sorts of things. I always said that like the Tim Curry makeup in Rocky Horror was partially. Uh, based on Serena's makeup, mm. if you look at it, if you look at it, there's a couple of really distinctive times when she turns her head and stuff. It's very Tim Curry, but mm-hmm. um, but Serena was a great a great addition to the cast, and I think that might have been part of it. The reason they did it was to give you know to appease Elizabeth Montgomery to make it fun for her, you know. So yeah, um, right. So and she did, and and it was really fun to watch the episodes and how they used the doubles. You know, the back of Samantha's head. And every once in a while, there'll be Serena in a scene and Samantha's double will walk by and you catch the face and it's clearly uh-huh. not her. But, <laughs> you know, it's 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 so it's so fun. to. You know, anyway, I love that. Love that stuff. But and I love Serena. So um, Elizabeth Montgomery passed away on uh, May 18th, 1995. She was only 62 and she had cancer. Um, possibly colon cancer that spread to her liver. I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, but she, I guess, you know, she died only eight weeks after being diagnosed because she apparently had ignored her symptoms while she was filming something and kind of delayed going in to see somebody about it. And, um, and they said there was nothing that they could basically do for her. So she just went home. She didn't want to die in a hospital. Yeah. I think she was, uh, I think, yeah, it was the end. It was morphine only. They just gave up treatment and she had like two days and said, I want to go home. And right. as I, it sounded to me like there was a, I don't want to, I don't want anyone with me, 
when this happened. So they kind of sat mm-hmm. outside the room and it happened and they were let, they were told after it happened. So wow. her wish to, was to not have anyone with her at that moment, I guess is wow. what it sounded like. But Elizabeth Montgomery died at 1230 Benedict Canyon Boulevard. That was her, that was her address on oh. Benedict Canyon Boulevard is wow. where Elizabeth Montgomery died across the street from John Ritter's house. It was 1205 Benedict Canyon Boulevard. So, um, huh. I'm not saying, I'm just saying the curse of Benedict Canyon. <laughs> so rest in peace, Elizabeth Montgomery. Um, yeah. so next course we have to talk about Dick York, mm-hmm. who was the first Darren Stevens, the first actor to play her husband on it. Um, he, which he was nominated for an Emmy for, um, and she Dick. was, uh, she was nominated for five Emmys. Yeah. Also. There were some serious nominations going on with this show and wins. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, so he um, I think what's most interesting about him, the reason he was replaced is really a tragic story and and all about kind of the ruining of his life to some extent. Uh, years before he did Bewitched, he was in a film called They, Ca- they Came to Cordura with Gary Cooper and Rita Hayworth. And this was in 1959. And while filming it, according to him, it was the last shot of the day on the second on the second to last day of filming. And he and Cooper were using one of those railroad hand cars that you kind of crank up and down. Mm-hmm. And while doing it, I think the actor yelled, he said the actor yelled cut and some extra reached up and put his hand on the crank as he was lifting it up. And so it, it ended up being a different weight than what he was expecting. And he tore the muscles in his back and caused a, basically a permanent back injury to himself as a result of, of that movement. It was just a freak accident. All right, I got to think that one through, because if the if the, I know what you're talking about, it's like a teeter totter thing, right, on the railroad cart, thing, and somebody's yeah. pushing, but it's a, it's never a lifting; it's always a pushing. Or maybe it was maybe he's just I don't know how he said it, but he, he was yeah, lifting no, up and pushing down. But whatever it was, I know exactly it was, there, what you mean. There yeah, was more the resistance on the move than what he was expecting yeah. to happen, and he ripped his back. He ripped his back yeah. muscles. So he he quote said that was the start of it all: the pain, the painkillers, the addiction, the lost career. Um, and he said his spine healed incorrectly. So yeah. he had back issues, you know, going into the show and they just got progressively worse and worse and worse as the first few seasons bore on um, to the point where by season five, they were, I think they were writing, you know, scripts for him to be seated or laying down just so he wouldn't have to be on his feet as much. And then finally, you know, in, in well into season five, he couldn't do it anymore. Yeah, they did like there's there's I don't know x amount of non-Darren episodes where he was away on business and sure. you know they would talk about it but there was there was no Darren. And I remember reading that uh that they had um well like when they were making the Wizard of Oz the tin man couldn't sit down with his makeup on so they 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 built a platform so when he wanted the rest that he could just lay lean back Those were on common, this. Yeah. yeah, and they had one for Dick York because he had such a problem with uh, with standing after a while, Ugh. and uh, and there was one episode. I guess there was an episode. It sounded like um, he passed out. Dick York did, mm-hmm. and on the set, and Asher said, "You want to, you want to, you want to stop it now." And I think it was like, "Do you want to stop this episode now?" But it was an agreement that, "Do you want to yeah. stop being on this show now?" And he was like, "Yeah, I think it's time." He had, I think he was like climbing up on scaffolding or something for the show and he had an episode and mm-hmm. next thing he knew he was on the floor basically. Yeah. And they were all standing around him. Yeah. And he was also, um, you know, he, 
He was in a couple, I think he was in like a fantasy island or something after. He was in one or two different things after Bewitched. But he his he'd been married to his wife for 30 plus years. And her the wife's mother passed away, and they went to Rockford, Michigan, and lived in Rockford, Michigan, uh, for mm. the last part of his life. And he he was a three pack a day smoker, so he had emphysema. And I remember he would show up in interviews with this with this thing around his nose, uh, uh, you know, and and the most chipper, nice, you yeah. know, like not like not morose, not because I I think they were on welfare for a while. Dick York was. I mean, uh, he was on saying, oxygen like, in, take at the end, yeah. Yeah, because he he was making only like four grand a week for Bewitched for our per episode, I think it was. But I don't know, residuals and royalties weren't a thing yet. I don't I don't think so much back then. Right. And um, so he he ended up spending his last years in Michigan, and he was an activist. I mean, he 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 would uh, he was. I remember uh, he used to be a, a frequent guest on this show that I used to listen to, this Johnny B radio show in Chicago, and he would always he'd raise money or he he'd uh, raise. Um, He'd donate uh, sleeping bags to homeless people, and he'd raise money for to feed homeless people. And I remember he he there was a thing. You this is probably not on your radar at all, but there was a thing in the eighties. There was a. Uh, some whales trapped in the ice. And I forget where this was near the North Pole in Alaska or something like that. But it was just, they had the world's attention for a while that there was this little hole of ice and these whales were trapped there and they couldn't get them out. And Dick York was a big, you know, proponent of, of raising the money to get that done. So he was, you know, for being a guy that was down physically, big time down physically, uh, remained really optimistic and active in, in, right. in, in causes. I thought that was, that's pretty He didn't let it bring impressive. him down mentally and emotionally. Yeah. yeah. And he also and kicked his drug habit, supposedly. He kicked, he finally, he went cold turkey for like six, it took him six months yeah. of, you know, torture God. and agony basically to kick the, 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 the painkiller habit. But it's great. You know, $4,000, he said 4000 a week or an episode? 4, an episode. Yeah. That's, I mean, I just looked it up. That is... 34 grand today. It's not, you know, it's, it, back then it was a decent amount of money. Yeah. It's just, I think a lot of these guys, they, or these actors, they just didn't, I don't know if they had bad business management or they just didn't put the money away or maybe in his case, his career ended before he planned on an ending. So that, that was the problem. I don't know. They never do. Plan. They just spend it. Yeah. Uh, he had a house. I know the house that he had was on scenic right off Beachwood Canyon. So it wasn't like a crazy you know, mansion-y house. It mm -hmm. was right off, it was right off like uh, Franklin, right above Franklin. Um, sure. But, uh, but yeah, I guess that was it. But that was like Battle of the Ghost, you know, here's your five, you know, your 50 grand for being in a show, the end. Uh, you know what else? So, I, it also, you know, if he, he had drug and medical issues, that's going to yeah. suck up. A lot of your yeah. money, obviously. And it wasn't in syndication, so it, right. until much later, so. Yeah. But he was everyone's favorite Darren, you know, everyone pretty much thinks he's he was the best Darren of the two. Yeah, it seems like people, at least the fans, did not like Dick Sargent as much in the role. It, which is ironic because Dick Sargent was offered the role first and refused right. it. And turned it down. You know? <laughs> um, so, uh, so Dick York passed away on February 20th, 1992, only 63 years old from emphysema or complications from emphysema. Hmm. Yeah, he's buried in Michigan too, which always really surprised me. It's like Michigan, but yeah, that's where he is. So <laughs> you're from Michigan, <laughs> I know, but he's on the other side you're, of the but state. You're like, but... <laughs> you're like, but I'm not going to be buried there. <laughs> well, I do have a grave in Michigan too, but um, <laughs> the Dicks, though, the both of the Dicks uh, were really 
I don't, you know, I used to hate the fact that they wouldn't let her use their, her witchcraft. I used to hate that. You know, right. it's like, how fun is that to have somebody around to do that? And he's always, you and Agnes yelling. Moorhead, man, both on the same team. Yeah. <laughs> Remember her mom? That was her mom's constant gripe. Was she didn't About like, the witchcraft, yeah. Yeah, that, that, yeah. That, she, that she wasn't allowed to use it. Yeah. So um, so Dick Sargent replaced York after York had to leave for the health reasons uh, to play the husband, Darren Stevens. And to your point, he, he originally turned the role down to begin with. So he was originally their mm-hmm. first choice. So it makes sense they went back to him when they needed mm-hmm. a replacement. And uh, he was born into an entertainment family. His mother was a, a silent film star, the bit parts. And his father was a business manager in Hollywood, uh, was Douglas Fairbanks business manager and uh, Eric von Straheim. Um, so he was born into, you know, a connected entertainment family, which I'm sure didn't, didn't hurt. And, Mm -hmm. uh, he was in Operation Petticoat with Cary Grant, uh, the ghost and Mr. Chicken with Don Knotts. That's Uh, gotta be our Halloween episode this year. (laughs) That has got to be, oh my God, it's one of my favorite movies in the world. I love that movie so much. (laughs) And all the characters from Bewitched are in it, you know, (laughs) that'd be great. All those extras. Oh my God. I love that movie so much. That should be our live watch, you know. That should be our. We should we should watch that. That would, that be, would fun. be great. I loved uh, the Incredible Mr. Limpet when I was a kid. I thought that was like yeah. one of the best movies ever <laughs> with Don Knotts. So I'm I'm yeah. all on board with it. Um, and he was also in Live a Little Love with Elvis, bringing things back around full circle to the beginning. <laughs> Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, guest appearances in tons of shows like what we've been saying. He was in I Dream. Coincidentally, he was in I Dream of Jeannie. Uh, Ozzy and Harriet, Three's Company, Charlie's Angel, The Love Boat, uh, Taxi, Different Strokes, uh, Murder She Wrote, L.A. Law, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, you look at the stuff that he guest starred in, it's like almost every show from the 70s and 80s. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Something that was surprised, and in fact, I got the movie out, so I'm going to watch it later on. That his, his, he was in Hardcore. With with George C. Scott, which is this this movie that was in '79, where George C. Scott finds out that his daughter was in a hardcore porn movie, and the whole idea is this like this this noir, you know, thriller kind of movie, drama movie. Hmm. And I'm like, Dick Sargent was in that. I, I forgot, so I, I'm going to watch it again tonight just to just to see. But they're saying that was that was you know one of his. Uh, dramatic roles which i'd never even know he did because he's always been that same guy you know whenever you see him do you know what his birth name was <laughs> no. darren what no no his birth name because dick dick Sargent was a, a, a stage name his birth name was richard cox really so he was born dick cox dick cox and <laughs> so he takes a stage name and keeps the dick <laughs> and who doesn't, ladies and germs? Um, which uh, <laughs> so apparently, though his name, that stage name came from. There was a famous artist who did these very Norman Norman Rockwell esque Saturday Evening Post covers, whose name was Richard Sargent. And that's who he took his stage name from. Interesting. Wow, that's uh, yeah, that's sort of unusual choice. But there you are. Mm-hmm. So, um, hmm. you know, also I was never a fan, but apparently he was in two seasons of Dukes of Hazard. Uh, oh really? Yeah, he played a sheriff in Dukes of Hazard, a sheriff, not the sheriff. Huh. But uh, but yeah, that's so. That's what I anyway. But yeah, interesting. But there you are, for the love of Dick. <laughs> um. So yeah. So he came out in '91, and um, 
I think he'd had one uh, f- uh, former partner who he never revealed who had died in the 70s, I think, from uh, some health issues and then um, uh, was with someone else for you know a long term relationship when he when he died. Yeah, I, th- I know that there was when he was towards the end, I think they thought they were assuming that he, he was age related because he had lost so much weight. And uh, and that, that just wasn't the case. Not that he needed defending of that, but it just wasn't. Right. He, I think it's he he went public with the prostate cancer, but everyone thought you know oh because it was at the time you know it was still it was relevant. Uh, and his quote about it, what? Cause, and he died just you know three years after he came out, so it would have been you know definitely on his mind that people would be thinking that. Uh, his quote was, "I don't have AIDS. I am I am HIV negative, but if I did, I would wear that badge as proudly as everybody else who has it." Mm-hmm. I, I I've really heard nice that the play. reason he came out is because he, someone was going to sell the story mm. uh, to the tabloids, and he was sort of going to, you know, cut it off, cut, do it before, a, a, sure. you know, take away the power of of the gossip by just right. owning it. And I think Elizabeth Montgomery had a lot to do with the the public embracing that. They didn't they do a? I know they did a, a Roseanne episode where they switched the Beckys. They did a Roseanne reunion, and it was literally a bewitched reference about the Darrens, and I forget what it was, but... Oh, interesting. Anyway, it, was, uh, it, was, it was exactly the same thing, the, the, the Beckys and getting rid of the dicks, uh, <laughs> or switching, switching the dicks. <laughs> that will never get old for me. <laughs> um, so uh, uh, he died on July 8th, 1994, um, and Elizabeth Montgomery died less than a year later. Um, and he was only 64, and it was prostate cancer. Mm. Oh, gossip, though. I th- I've heard a rumor, mm. alleged, no, this is not a fact. I heard that, uh, uh, that Dick Sargent and uh, Tony Perkins had a thing going on. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That's the goss. Wonder what Tab Hunter would have thought of that. <laughs> yeah, I wonder. So rest in peace, um, Dick Sargent. The Dicks are IP. <laughs> um all right, uh the one and only Agnes Moorhead, who played mm-hmm. Indora, Samantha's uh mother. Who had Talk about, uh, about oh, a story of a career in Hollywood as a person, no could, show business as a person could have. Start starts out early in life as a principal player in Orson Welles's Mercury Players Theater Company. Stars with them in the radio show The Shadow, the famous, you know, one of the famous famous radio shows ever. Um, and then is his character's mother in Citizen Kane. <laughs> like, and this one of my favorite movies as a kid was the Charlotte's Web animated movie, and she played a goose in mm-hmm. it. That was later, late in her career. What are you talking, hawking, hawking about? I love that movie. What are you talking, hawking about? T double E double R double I double I. I love that movie. Apparently, you talk about people getting tired of the show. She did was not crazy about the show. Obviously, she'd done. You look at what else she had done in her career. Doing this kind of what she. I mean, she referred to the scripts as hacky or like hack scripts. And come on, they were compared to what she'd done before. And she kind of took the show not thinking it was going to be successful and then was kind of trapped by the show's success. Um, 
hated the script, but then, you know, it made her more famous than she'd ever been before. And she got six Emmy nominations out of it. Yeah. I don't think she was ever nasty about it. I think bored, like Elizabeth no. Montgomery, just bored with it. And, yeah. but she was, she played along with the crazy makeup and the crazy outfits. And so I, I don't think, cause she was in almost every episode too, along with Elizabeth Montgomery, most more than the Darren's, I think. She uh, had apparently had a contract where she would only be in 75% of the episodes. Oh. So that she would at least have some free time yeah. to do other things and not be doing this around the clock. Wow. Supposedly. But God, that's still a lot. So she is so good. She was so good. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, if it, I mean, yeah, it's got to be weird to be that accomplished. I mean, Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte and, and, um, and uh, Sorry Wrong Number was another radio show, which is really good. Actually, that's on YouTube. And if you listen to that one, that one's, that one's an insane radio show uh with uh with her she was in the conqueror that famous film uh that uh it was howard hughes film i think where with all john those people, wayne yeah with all those people died of cancer they were filming it like where there were nuclear <laughs> like yeah, atomic they, bomb they, testing and stuff it's interesting like 41 percent of the crew got cancer after you know with their through during their life the rest of their lifetimes after that so it's kind of recurred referred to as a curse um because supposedly they filmed near you know nuclear testing sites in utah um, yeah. But it's also, I guess, kind of been it's been a little bit disproven and the, the, the rate of cancer was not beyond what the norm would be for that many people. Because 200 and some people worked on the movie and 200 of them people. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. But that's I mean, that's that's significant, though, especially so, that was too. early on, too. I mean, those guys died, you know, in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, Agnes Moorhead and John Wayne died in the 80s, I think. And so they mm-hmm. died young, a lot of them. Yeah. So, uh yeah, and it's much like, well, much like a lot of things are attributed to it. So I'm sure there's some stretches in there for sure. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, but she was, and, and and she had that, remember that Twilight Zone she was in with the with the aliens that landed? They were the, they were the tiny aliens. That was a good one. She was, <laughs> a lot of these people were in good Twilight Zones. And Magnificent Amberson's Dark Passage she was in. And uh, and also now her family were really devout Christians. They she was raised by a, a an ultra Christian mm. like preacher family, and she had a ranch in Ohio. And she and eventually that's it's just it's unusual of all the places she ended up being buried back in Ohio. Uh, wow. I, I went to her grave fairly recently too, and I was like, why? How did you end up here? But she she had a ranch in Ohio where she was actually from. And that's why she ended up back there. And there's the rumor that she was a lesbian and that she had an affair with Debbie Reynolds. That's always been the rumor. Now, I knew a guy, there's a guy I know by the name of Bose Hadley who wrote a book called Hollywood Lesbians. And almost every woman that he spoke to basically admitted to him that they were lesbians, but... You know they're all dead now, so there's no yeah. way you can you can uh, you can prove it. But uh, but he he alluded he said straight out that she she that she was. Um, I don't necessarily agree with that, and yeah. I know that uh, Debbie Reynolds took exception to that. Of course she would. But I remember Carrie Fisher when when Eddie Fisher wrote his book, uh, his tell-all book. That Carrie Fisher, his daughter, said, "I'm going to have my DNA fumigated after that because the <laughs> book is so so really vulgar." And, and and he brought out the whole lesbian Agnes Moorhead thing that that Debbie Reynolds was uh, had an affair with her. Uh, they were close, very 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 close, but they weren't lovers. 
I don't Apparently, think. Paul Lind was uh, credited with being one of the main purveyors of that rumor. Yeah. He talked about it a lot. And I think at one point said everybody, the whole world knew she was gay or something like that. Um, but yeah, Debbie Reynolds denied it. And I know others close to her denied it, including, I think I read somewhere that she had a, um, a, an assistant or somebody that worked for her, I think, that was gay and was like, no. He said she wasn't. And they basically blamed it on Paul Lynn just spreading rumors. Yeah. Eddie Fisher, though, he did, because I would, Carrie Fisher, um, she was pissed. I know that she told, you know, she said, I was going to say, I hate when I sound, I drop these things like I, you know, I'm friends with them. I wasn't, but she did, I, when I talked to her about it, the, the book, she goes, This is my mother. He's telling, you know, my father is writing these things about my mother. And she right. was really, really angry about it. And Todd Fisher, I listened to his book recently, uh, Debbie's Son. And uh, and talks in de- in great detail about the Agnes Moorhead relationship and how close they were. And there was some screwed up stuff at the end of, of her life. She was Debbie Reynolds was supposed to be the executrix of the estate, and some other mm. family got in and got everything, and et cetera, et cetera. It was an ugly, ugly aftermath after she passed away. But uh, but but it just yeah, it's sort of sad because you don't really hear her talk talk about her being along with men too much you know but that doesn't mm-hmm. mean anything she just might not have been interested right but, um yeah not everybody who's not in dating has to be gay she um, oh, that's what he asked, called her paul lynn called her one of the one of the old bold dykes or something didn't he didn't he the last of the old something, hollywood yeah, dykes that's or right something that's like right that. something like that yeah. yeah paul lynn was a nasty drunk though funny guy but a nasty drunk yeah um Agnes Moorhead passed away on April 30th, 1974. She'd been in kind of failing health for years, I think. Uh, she was she was 73, and I, I think her eventual cause of death was uterine cancer. Yeah. So, again, that, you know, that conqueror cancer curse. Um, yeah. And interestingly, her mother outlived her by 16 years. Her mother lived to be 106. And um, she left, you know, provisions in her will to take care of her mother. Cause you know, she knew she was, she was dying and her mother wasn't. And I think her mother was really her only person, you know, that she left behind in her estate. There had been a son, but not really a son, I guess that she didn't consider a son, but she'd had a foster son that she had, had lived with her for a few years, but I don't think she ever acknowledged him as being a relative. Hmm. of hers which is kind of i don't know what the i don't know what that story is but yeah her mother outlived her by 16 years and and was taken care of by moorhead's estate after she passed away interesting she the house that uh, agnes moorhead lived in was in in, on on roxbury drive in 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 beverly hills you know down like two doors over from rosemary clooney and the gershwins and lucy was across the street and peter falk but Mm -hmm. um they it's kind of neat because they the people that own agnes moorhead's house now decorate it for halloween and not not in the Agnes Moorhead uh, necessarily like they don't have Andorras like sitting around, <laughs> but uh, but they do you know embrace the whole spooky sort of thing on Halloween. Mm-hmm. You can go trick or treating at Andorra's house, which is kind of oh, cool. That would be so that. awesome. Yeah, yeah. I like it. When My people favorite get Halloween it. house is there, there's a house in Santa Monica in the nice fancy nice neighborhood there in north, kind of north end of Santa Monica that um they have a child's gymnasium in the front yard which is kind of unusual like one of those metal dome shaped ones like what you would see in like a playground mm-hmm. and they put um they put fake black crows on it like the birds oh how fun which i think is awesome <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is cool have you been to that house in, in santa monica that they they based the bewitched house on no i've never even it's, i think it's on 18th street but it is 
the bewitched house. It's mirror image. It's on a corner, huh. 18th and something. But if you look at it, I mean, it's it's undeniable. It's just the mirror image, you know. Oh, wow. I mean, it's like everything the, the 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 siding and the brick and but it just it's just from right to left instead of that it's from left to right it's kind of it's kind of funny well and coincidentally the house that they used for all the establishing shots on three's company is in santa monica oh really if you ever look it's it's a photograph that they they use the same photo throughout the entire run of the show basically mm-hmm. they just took a picture <laughs> of a random somebody found it though it's down in kind of south santa kind of on the way towards venice not oh, far from the ocean Mm-hmm. Yeah, someone has located. I mean, it's a, I say it, it's a house, even though it's supposed to be a stand-in for like more of a little apartment, you know, mm-hmm. garden apartment complex. But I think in real life, it's a house. But yeah, someone found it. Um, and then the Golden Girls' house is just north of east of there in uh, Brentwood. Oh, is that where it is? Even, even though it's supposed to be Florida, yeah. Uh, and I think the Golden Girls' house is still there. Probably, well, I would imagine so, because right. I was, I think we'd have heard about it if it isn't. How could you tear that down? <laughs> you know, it's the hell with the Viper Room. <laughs> it's the Golden Girls house. <laughs> Save the real history. Yeah. Blanche. <laughs> they did a heck of a job, though, finding that house, because I really, I always really did believe it was in Florida. It always felt like a Florida house, and apparently, it, no, it's Brentwood. Well, see, Mike, in Hollywood... They do things a little different. <laughs> this thing called movie magic. Maybe you haven't heard of it. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, uh, I think yeah, it's o- not it's not too far from OJ's house. It's oh, up yeah? kind of in that okay. general area. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Oh, that you know, and um, what's her face? Um, the one that just died, Betty White. She lived on Carmelina, which is that street that Marilyn died off of. You know, she's on Fifth Helena. There, you uh-huh. know, there's like all the way to 18 Helenas. You know, there's mm-hmm. Fifth, Sixth, Seventh, Eighth, and Betty White was on Carmelina that all the Helenas are off of. That's they were all she connected for, to. I didn't yeah, know forever that forever and ever. Yeah, neither did I actually. I That's, still remember um, that day we went. We filmed over there. Mm-hmm. Without permission, it was great. Yeah. Allegedly. You know what? I was just talking to somebody about that. Well, these guys uh, that I took around the other day, we went to the Wonderland house and I was explaining that business, you know, mm. and it's like, talk about, you know, <laughs> that is, you got to go that's rogue. Our, you got to go rogue. You have to. That's my best. That's our best get ever, at least that I was a part of. Yes. Yeah. That was a hell of a, that we got to walk around inside the Wonderland murder house. When you get an opportunity, it's like, you know, I heard about it. It's like, bam, I called you. And within an hour, we were there. <laughs> I grabbed the nearest camera I could find. And we ran over there. You can, if you, and, um, and you can, it, the video is on uh, YouTube. If you guys look yeah. it up, we posted it. It's classic. Yeah. It really, uh, not for it, the faint of heart though. It does show dead people. So yeah. Yeah. The fact that, yeah. Well, we talked about that before, but they used, we, it, we edited the original crime scene footage that still had yeah. the victims in it with the empty rooms when we were in it. And that was, uh, that was, that was something. And it was famous for being the first time that like video, video tape footage was used to document a crime scene. I think. Yeah. Was that yeah. the actual crime? So yeah. And all the victims mm-hmm. are, you know, the, that died are still there when they film it. They hadn't moved them yet. So well, rest in peace, Agnes Moorhead. Uh, do we want to talk about uh, David White? Sure. Um, David uh. White played Darren Stevens' boss at the big advertising firm that he works at. Uh, his character's name was Larry Tate. 
And uh, he was a white was a, a popular character actor who did tons and tons of guest experiences, like so many of these others were talking about. Uh, he was also in Brewster's Millions with uh, Richard Pryor, which I thought oh, yeah. was really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and tragically, his son died in the Lockerbie bombing mm-hmm. of Pan Am Flight 103 in 1988. His son was only 33 years old, um, and he had previously lost his wife, who was his son's mother. Um, she died from complications after childbirth in the fifties. Yeah. So a kind of a, uh, a tragic personal life. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's funny. You know, I don't, he's not one of those characters that I look back lovingly, you know, he was, he was so skeezy on the show mm-hmm. and, um, and, uh, and, uh, but most people agree that, you know, his son's death really did it for him as, as it would. Yeah, completely. So, uh, yeah, his son, I think his wife didn't die in childbirth, but very closely afterwards, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, sad. Right. But um, and he and he's that very famous episode of Bewitched where Endora sculpts Darren and Larry Tate's uh, busts, their heads, not their busts, but they're just their heads. And mm-hmm. it creeped me the heck out when they would turn and talk. And that was so <laughs> scary. And um <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and he ended up getting that prop and putting it. It's in his grave. I mean, that's his niche at Hollywood Forever. Is that what? Head. And um, oh yeah. wow! So because he, uh, he died. Ki- so your the kinder trauma for you for <laughs> from that show is part of his memorial. Which you know, and even kind of weirder is that he. It took him a long time to be. Several years after he died, he was cremated, and he and his son are together in this niche at Hollywood Forever. Oh well, wow. Before they were put there, I bought my niche there, and my niche is two down and three over. So I bought mine, and they got theirs later, and that head oh, is wow. right above my, my niche at Hollywood Forever. So um, so my kinder trauma is, is going to be above <laughs> me for all of eternity. <laughs> wow. Um, David White passed away on November 27th, 1990, so just a couple years after his son died. Uh, he mm-hmm. was 74 and he had a heart attack. Um, since we just talked about uh, the Larry Tate character, uh, his wife was played by Irene Vernon. Mm-hmm. And, and not for it, very it, long. But only for the first season. Yeah. And she there's quit, an interesting story here that I really want to dig into, and I couldn't find anything else about it, about why she left. But... What happened was there was um, the lead producer and head writer on the first season of Bewitched, who I think maybe is somewhat credited for having a lot of, you know, obviously a lot of creative input in how the show came out, was a guy named Danny Arnold. And he left the show after the first season. And this, the unofficial story is that Irene Vernon then, who played the wife of Larry Tate, was fired because she was close friends with Danny Arnold. And I think there was whatever reason he left was not was bad blood or something. And she was kind of asked to leave the hmm. series by by um, Montgomery and, and Asher um, and was kind of forced out. Although I think the official thing was that she was she needed to take time off to take care of her husband who was sick. So and Danny Arnold, the writer and producer that left, he went on a decade later. He he had a long storied career. I think he, he got the WGA uh, Lifetime Achievement Award in 1985. He created the Barney Miller series. 
oh, 10 years later. Uh-huh. So he had a huge, uh-huh. but he was apparently a very difficult, kind of a difficult person to work with. I, I think the word, the term bipolar was dropped in one of the things I was reading about him. So I'm really fascinated. I would love to know the inside story of why Danny Arnold left and how that also led to Irene Vernon having to also leave after that yeah. first season. And at that point, though, it was probably, it's, it was just a stupid show. Nobody knew anything about it. You know, it was only on for one year. So right. uh, at that point, so I, I mean, I'm not dismissing that, but it's like, mm-hmm. well, you know, you're not welcome here anymore or you can stay and we'll make your life really miserable. <laughs> you know, right. so They might have been invited. <laughs> she might have been invited to leave or may have left on her own volition. But uh, right. And then we got the lovely Casey Rogers. Yes. Um, so Irene Vernon passed away on April 21st, 1998. She was 76 uh, from congestive heart failure and coronary artery disease. Mm. So rest in peace, Irene. And yes, she was replaced uh, in the same role by Casey Rogers, who took over the part of Larry Tate's wife and ran and had that till you know for the rest of the run of the series. Yeah, yeah. She was well. That, thus, the portrait behind me. This is uh, from one of the okay. episodes of Finally. Bewitched. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, it was an episode where Endora put a curse on uh, Darren. That, uh, or no, Samantha was wanted to be an artist. No, Darren wanted to be an artist. I think it was. Anyway, Darren painted a portrait of Louise Tate. It was actually Endora that made it look really good. And Larry mm-hmm. Tate saw it and brought his wife over to see it. And in the meantime, Endora switched it over to this one. So it was, it's called mm-hmm. the Goofy Louise Tate. And, uh, and, uh, and so I had this one made for Troy a couple of years ago for Christmas. <laughs> but, um, so it, it actually does have a proper place of honor in our home. We don't, it's not like stuck away somewhere. It's featured. <laughs> so if you're not, uh, if you're, if you're not watching the video version, um, for this episode, Scott has had this painting on display over his shoulder. Um, and it is a very wonky looking. Louise Tate with the cross eyes and the funky teeth and yeah. (laughs) Goofy Louise. (laughs) Where do you have it on display in your house? Well, it's in our, 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 the the family room. So, you know, the rumpus Uh, rooms. (laughs) The rumpus room, yes. (laughs) So if you come in off the patio, the, 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 the painting is, is heading straight, looking right at you. Well, one of the eyes is, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Her stage name, uh, because Casey Rogers is not her birth name. She was born Josie Rogers. Her stage name was because I guess as a kid she was good at baseball, so the kids started calling her Casey, you know, for the Casey at the Bat poem. And Mm -hmm. later on, a manager, you know, recommended that she, you know, change the C to a K and go by Casey Rogers. So that's what she did. And I remember she she started because when she started, she wanted to look like the original one and she was wearing a black wig for a long time and then asher said what are you wearing that wig for and she said well you mm. told me to he goes no no do what you you know just look normal so she she left huh. she put the took the wig off after that but uh yeah it was like a serena wig i mean it was really dark and it didn't look mm. it didn't, you know but 60s wigs never did look good and uh and uh yeah so she went natural for the last couple of years of bewitched that, you know, Louise Tate was not a huge character. You know, she was no <laughs> the wife of a side character, basically. Right, right, right. But you know, after everyone dropped dead, uh, it was you know her, Casey Rogers, and Bernard Fox who played Doctor Bombay, and Sandra Gould who played. We're going to talk about these others that were doing the conventions. Same with Aaron mm-hmm. Murphy doing all the Bewitch conventions. So it was kind of good. 
she also wrote uh, several books on cooking and crafting, and I think one of them was called The Bewitched Cookbook, Magic in the Kitchen. So there you go. <laughs> there you are. <laughs> don't don't quit the hit. You know, get some milk out of that turnip or whatever the hell yeah. that expression is, you know. But she also, well. uh, in the 70s, was an early proponent of uh, female motocross racing, which I thought was interesting. <laughs> And founded a founded a, 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 an awesome. organization. She was founded an organization for female motorcycle racers. Wow. Yep. Who knew? Who knew? <laughs> That's Wikipedia. Great. Wikipedia knew. <laughs> <laughs> somebody told me. Somebody said that they uh, went up to her at an autograph show. A friend of mine told me this and said to Casey Rogers. <laughs> You are the glue that held that show together. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, thanks. <laughs> that sounds sure. so terrible. It sounds so mean. I mean, she was she was people's best friend and stuff like that. So she was very into cooking and crafting. And she actually tried to get a crafting show going at one point that never got took off. I don't know what that was going to be, but she would have been a hit on YouTube, you know, really. Totally. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, she passed away on July 6, 2006. She was 80. Um, she died from a stroke. And I believe there... she's at Forest Lawn, Hollywood Hills. Oh, God. What is it now? It's just, it started coming to me now. I should know this. I should know this off the top. But there was an episode of a show. Gosh, I, I, should, I should be researching this right now. At the end of the show, whatever it was, Casey Rogers and Bernard Fox, who were the only characters that were left from Bewitched at that point, blew up the Bewitched house at the end of some show. God, what was this? I got to look it up oh, right uh, now, but it happened. We're looking things up live, people. I want to buy that Bewitched cookbook. No, I cook. I'm I, you know what? Interested. I have it. I'll give it to you. Oh, I would love <laughs> but... that. I would love. I, I, I would love to exchange it. Yes. So, an episode of Home Improvement: Casey Rogers, Sandra Gould, and um, and Bernard Fox blew up the Bewitched House. I mean, they didn't really do it, but they went to the back lot, the Warner Ranch, to the Bewitched set, and much like you know, it just they whatever movie magic, television magic, <laughs> blew up the Bewitched House. Um, but yeah. And you know, the bewitched house is going to be torn down soon. You know, the, it's on oh, the, the one that's on in the, Santa Monica. Yeah, no, no. The, the one, the, the, the TV one that's on the oh. Warner ranch. They, uh, it's where the friends fountain was and they've, they've moved the friends oh. fountain now to the Warner brothers down the street and all the that the, that whole uh, street is going to be demolished for more sound stages. So the uh. the Bewitched House, the I Dream of Genie House, the Partridge Family House, which was also the Kravitz House, uh, and the stuff that was used in the Music Man, and you know just all these cool television houses um, are are all going to be uh, torn down now, which is very uh. very sad. But I it wish I could sad. have the Bewitched House. I got to do it one. I got to drive through the lot the back lot the the warner ranch in my car and oh, wow. pull up into the bewitched driveway and get out and go into the front door of the bewitched house <laughs> it's like that's the coolest awesome. thing. i wish i would have got it on video <laughs> but i do have a picture of my car in the bewitched driveway uh which was which was pretty cool but, that's um, awesome but yeah that's that's all going to be torn down but the address was 1164 morning glory circle was the bewitched address there you go yeah. You're like, so. <laughs> <laughs> 
So Casey Rogers passed away on uh, July 6, 2006. She was 80, and it was a stroke, and she is at Forest Lawn, Hollywood Hills. R.I.P. Allegedly. R.I.P. Casey Rogers. So Alice Pierce played the nosy neighbor Gladys Kravitz. Um, mm. And <laughs> I, wa- I rewatched, you know, part of season one again before we did this. And she was my favorite character. I loved her. She's the nosy neighbor and she sees what's going on, but nobody believes her. And she's yeah. treated like she's crazy, which I think is I think it's hilarious. The whole bits with her husband and everything. And uh, I, I think it's I think it's one of the more entertaining parts of the show. Um, interestingly, she supposedly turned down the role of grandmama in the Adams family. Okay, I can see that. I can see that. There's a lot of crossover back and forth of characters and actors, you know. A bunch of, uh, yeah, another one of those actors or actresses that show up in every single show at all, you know, of every 60s show. Right. But, uh, but and and what a face. I mean, she she the face for comedy, you know what I mean? Yeah, the sour look. yeah, pulling those expressions like 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 crazy. She was she was a great Gladys Kravitz. She really was. Um, and she had a tragic story. She apparently already knew that she had terminal cancer when she took the role before the first season even filmed, and she kept it a secret. She had ovarian cancer, and so she she died about a year and a half into the the show's run uh, uh, on March third, nineteen sixty six. Uh, she was only forty eight years old, and. Uh, she won a posthumous Emmy two months after she died. And I thought this was interesting. Um, Elizabeth Montgomery and her husband, William Asher, gave her husband a job directing Bewitched after she died because he had been a director and had supposedly kind of put his career on hold, um, you know, when she got sick to kind of take care of her. Huh. Interesting. Um, which I think is really nice if that's true. Yeah, for sure. Wow. Yeah, I didn't know that. Well, the actress died, as you as you just said, and then for a few episodes, they were they didn't they didn't know what to do with it with the character. Mm. So they brought in this Mary Grace Canfield, who was another '60s staple, who, to play Abner Kravitz's sister for a few episodes until they decided to replace the character with a new Mrs. Kravitz. So uh, interesting. It, it wasn't for very many episodes that she was in there, but then she became famous for being Ralph on. Green Acres, one of the handymen, Ralph and Alf. Huh. So, yeah. And then they brought in Sandra Gould, who was, again, one of those people that was in a billion different things. Uh, right. Dream of Genie, I Love Lucy. Also, The Ghost of Mr. Chicken. Uh, <laughs> and um, and she, well, they say that Alice Ghostly was offered the role of Mrs. Kravitz first. Alice Ghostly, who ended up playing Esmeralda, the maid. Wild. So, here's what's weird. Alice Ghostly, who played Esmeralda, the maid, originally played the Tate's maid next door on Bewitched. Mm. So Alice Ghostly was turned down the role of Gladys Kravitz, took the role of the maid from the Larry, Larry and, and Louise Tate. And then when Marion Lorne, who played <laughs> Aunt Clara, died on the show... Then Alice Ghostly was given the part of Esmeralda to basically be the same character. It's, right. it's confusing because they're all interchangeable. So-and-so yeah. was offered this role, turned it down, ended up getting this role. This one died. We're bringing in this one. You know, it was like chess pieces. But uh, but Sandra Gould, I, God, I ran into her at one of those uh, autograph shows. And she was just 
cramming a subway sandwich in her face i mean just cramming <laughs> it in her face <laughs> i started talking to her and i told her what i did and she started spitting at me like talking she goes you should have me on your tour as a guest and it was like this spraying <laughs> subway sandwich all over me nice lady <laughs> don't get me wrong <laughs> But those things are so bizarre. I mean, those autograph shows are great. I mean, I went in one and the chick who played Snow White, Adriana Casalotti, was, you know, smoking a cigarette in the bathroom, you know, eating. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, this. I helped Kevin McCarthy, like, pee once because he couldn't get around very well. And this is a guy that you know, was Invasion of the Body Snatchers. He was in the accident mm -hmm. with Montgomery Clift and, and mm -hmm. Kevin McCarthy. And I was helping him pee because that sounds so <laughs> nice. I don't mean that to be mean. I don't. It's just these are the situations you end up in in Los Angeles. The weirdest right. things happen to you. And you're going to go, you're not going to believe what just happened to me. And, and who, oh, yeah, um, who was your co-host in Hollywood Death Trip? From Daniel Halloween. Harris. Yeah, yeah, she she talked about going to them and how she um her shoulder always smells like bo after every one of them because oh, she's tiny, yeah. she's short, and everybody puts their arm around her shoulder, and she ends up with all <laughs> it's like a hundred armpits on her shoulder. That's right. She said she has special convention clothes <laughs> because because yeah, people are always touching you, and yeah, she was such right. a tiny girl. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's funny. But I love those conventions. I love those conventions. God, I got to talk to so many amazing people. I mean, Casey Rogers and Bernard Fox and Sandra Gould and all these people. You know, mm -hmm. the guy Jan from Jan and Dean. And, and I, I've met so many cool people at these places. It's so neat. Anyway. Yeah. And I mean, I met I met Lana Clarkson at one right before she was Did murdered you? by Phil Spector. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. What was there what you, were you doing? Movie. What was it for? We, um, she was at a convention down by LAX and it was right after I'd moved to LA. I hadn't been here for very long and I was, I was working on a micro budget, uh, vampire movie that never got finished. And at one point they needed just a scream queen day player bit part and they knew about her. And so me and one of the producers went to this convention and met with her and gave her the script and talked to her. She's very nice. She took the script and she apparently was interested. And then, um, and then we didn't hear from her. And I remember the producer was getting kind of upset that she wasn't calling us back. He didn't, he didn't see the news. And then he called me in a panic. He was at the grocery store and he saw the story in, the, in like a magazine or in the newspaper there and realized she that she was who Phil Spector had murdered. And oh. he's like, oh, my God. So somebody, like, somebody's script. got the lost footage. So the last footage of Lana Clarkson is still well, in a can. Well, she never uh, she never shot it. So oh, that, okay. That was why he was upset because she seemed interested, and then we never heard from her again. And we we're trying to yeah. put her, at, like, trying to schedule her to come in and do the scene. And, and yeah. yeah, that's how I remember it. Anyways, this was you know twenty years ago, but that's how I remember yeah. it unfolding. Yeah. So, um, okay, so Sandra Gould uh, died uh, following heart surgery after a stroke on July twentieth, mm -hmm. nineteen ninety nine. She was eighty three years old. Now her husband. Abner Kravitz was played by George Tobias and George Tobias was in, uh, 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 I have, I have my cheat sheets here, but he was in, he was in Mildred Pierce. He was in the original Hunchback of Notre Dame, not a 
featured person, you know, just one of those people. He was in Yankee Doodle Dandy with with Jimmy Cagney. His uh, he was in the Glass Bottom Boat, a Doors Day movie, and Tora Tora Tora. I mean, these are hmm. are classic movies, but everyone knows him as uh, Abner Kravitz from from Bewitched. And he did um, after Bewitched went off the air in 1977. There was a series for like one year called Tabitha, mm-hmm. and. As a as guests on Tabitha, both George Tobias and Sandra Gould played Kravitzes on one of the episodes, which is kind of kind of neat cool. that they did that. And um, but he himself is interesting. He died of bladder cancer uh, back in uh, 1980, I think it was. But I know the guy who who picked his body up at Cedars. And he had him in a, not in a hearse, but in a station wagon. And they were taking George Tobias to the mortuary. And they got into a car accident right at the corner of Sierra Bonita and Sunset, which is oh, weirdly wow. where Lady Gaga's dog got, you know, right. dog was kidnapped. <laughs> but, um, but so they got into an accident with George Tobias in the back of the, uh, of the station wagon. They got out, left the keys in it, and somebody stole the station wagon with George Tobias's body in it. And oh. they made it about two blocks till they got to Sierra Bonita and Franklin and realized what they did and they ditched they ditched the uh the station wagon with Abner Kravitz's body in it, which is uh which is kind of fun, I think. So yeah, George Tobias's body, you know, did not stop moving after he died <laughs> and uh but now he is uh he's been buried uh in um somewhere else <laughs> i i am so tired i'm so tired <laughs> he's buried somewhere else i don't know <laughs> uh anyways rest in peace sandra gold gold and george um, tobias yeah. and george tobias why not you got a, a bonus name in there uh marion lauren played aunt clara yeah and I really wanted to mention this one um, because it's very interesting. So Alice Pierce wins an Emmy for best um, for outstanding performance by an actress in a supporting role in a comedy. She wins it, you know, posthumously two months after she dies. And then Marion Lauren has a heart attack in 1968 at the age of 84 while still doing playing the character of Aunt Clara. And 10 days after she dies, she wins an outstanding performance by an actress in a supporting role in a comedy Emmy. The same award, yeah. both won posthumously for the same show. I can't imagine that that's ever happened before. That's got to be a, yeah. a, a one and only. Yeah. They had yeah. a hell of a cast, though, you know, and there were so many people going mm-hmm. here and there. And, you know, I mean, all those, there were a hell of a lot of nominations on that show, you know, a right. heck of a lot. So, uh, but yeah, and Marion Lauren was so wonderful as aunt clara i mean she was just you know what they would say now they'd say she has alzheimer's or something you know because <laughs> i mean you know she was always forgetting things and always screwing up her 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 spells and everything but um but she's so beloved and she was in her she made her i think she made her her film debut in strangers on a train the hitchcock movie that oh was wow like her, first movie and i think the last appearance that she did was in the graduate and she had a scene with Alice Ghostly, who was right. Esmeralda. They're like party. I think they were like party guests in the hotel or something like that. Where Probably. The tryst is I, it's, it's been many years since I've seen that movie. I think too. something it's like that. One yeah. I, have to, I have to revisit that one. And uh, but she and in real life collected doorknobs. 
and she would oh, wow. bring them on the set and they would they wrote it into the character that that she collected doorknobs and Erin Murphy <laughs> the Tabitha uh woman told me that Marion Lord gave her a doorknob and I'm like really can you bring it because she spoke at one of my events she goes oh I don't know I, I lost it somewhere I'm like how do these people how can you have one of marion lauren's do doorknobs and not still have it i don't understand people that thing would be like on a velvet pillow <laughs> no you know with a single like this uh, <laughs> makes me right. crazy how can you not have that but anyway oh. so she was uh i think she was in 20 this is 27 episodes i think that's which is significant that's yeah, a lot of a episodes. Lot. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, but she was, when she passed away, it was no mention of it on the show whatsoever. And next up came Esmeralda, the other sort of, uh, forgetful, screwing up spells all the time made. And Marion Lauren died on, uh, May 9th, 1968. She was 84 years old. And she was buried in Ferncliff Cemetery, uh, in New York State. Oh, that's a nice name for a cemetery. There's there's a road down the uh, down not too far from me called Marion Lane, and I keep saying it's Marion Lauren because <laughs> I like her so much. And that was a... you should alter the sign, <laughs> Marion Lauren Street, and they would have that out here too. So I love they have like Ginger Rogers Road, Bob Hope. I live right off Frank Sinatra. There's Dean Martin down the street. Mm -hmm. uh, it's such a it's such a Buddy Rogers and Monty Hall. <laughs> the police department's on Monty Hall. I love that. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Such a bizarre place. But uh, and then so then after Marion Lauren came uh, uh, Alice Ghostly, who was Esmeralda the maid, who was mm -hmm. um, also famous for being on Designing Women, which is a, a hilarious show that she again sort of played the Esmeralda character, a bit more wacky, a bit more of a sex fiend in a way, but mm -hmm. innocently so, and uh, a very funny. Very funny lady. So Alice Ghostly, um, funny enough, uh, when I did when I first moved to LA in '94 and I was doing the Graveline tour, uh, a group of women rented our tour, and um, and she it was her. I'm like I turned around what? like well, I know you, and um, <laughs> and she goes oh yeah, and we you know it was like it was really cool because her sister was there too, and I mean I maintained communication with her sister Alice after Alice Ghostly died, but. But it was just uh, the weirdest thing because, you know, she didn't say, well, you know, what's she going to say? I'm Alice Ghostly. It was just a bunch <laughs> of girls, women that rented my body and she was one of them. And she wouldn't take a picture with the, with the hearse, unfortunately. That would have been really uh. cool. But she's the one that told me about Larry Tate's son dying in, in Lockerbie back in the early 90s. Oh, so I wow. think uh, um, but she also it's kind of interesting. So Alice Ghostly. After Bewitched was over with, she ended up in a lot of different shows. She then she ended up on Designing Women, and the guy who plays Anthony on Designing Women, his name was Meshock Taylor, I think. Uh, I got to talk to him at one of these autograph shows, and I started asking him about Alice Ghostly, and he he said that Alice Ghostly was a scream. He says they would be, she would say something and everyone in the cast would just start cracking up. And Alice Ghostly would be like, what the fuck are you laughing about? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like very deadpan. It's a really good sense of humor. And also Paul Lind and Alice Ghostly were friends. And hmm. what I've come to learn is that Alice Ghostly was that original 
character that Paulin sort of took that kind of, you know, had a, had a sort of tone, a voice that Paul Lynn sort of lifted from Alice Ghostly. Alice, you know, everyone hmm. thinks Alice Ghostly is like the female Paul Lynn, but actually it's, it's vice versa. Paul Lynn sort huh. of took Alice Ghostly's persona and, and went with it. Um, and it's sort of interesting, but Alice Ghostly was always very polite about that. But I did ask her about Agnes Moorhead being a lesbian. And all she said was, oh, I heard that too. <laughs> and, uh, and I did Probably show her Paul her Lynn's friend, death Paul house, Lynn. but they got, yeah, <laughs> I did show her Paul Lynn's death house too. She didn't give me anything on Paul Lynn. That would have been kind of cool to get more, oh, uh, cool. more on that, but it was cool to have her in the back of my car. I wish I would have got a picture, but I did have an autograph that she did sign best witches, Alice ghostly, <sighs> which is, I can't so believe cool. her name is ghostly and she wouldn't take a picture with the hearse. Thank you. Come on. <laughs> I'm with you, Scott. <laughs> yeah, and she so she when she died, it was in uh, 2007. She was 84 years old, and she was cremated. And her remains were buried in her backyard with her husband under an orange tree for a long time. And then when the house was sold, I guess thankfully, I think they were in urns. They dug them up and took them back east. And I think they're buried in Ohio too. But uh, but she's actually and her sister now, who I who I was acquaintances with is buried there with her but she you know just another one of those great old 60s character actresses and um and rest in peace alice ghostly so that i mean naturally leads us to paul lind another classic 60s actor he was uh he went to northwestern university his classmates were cloris leachman and charlotte ray and um and uh jeffrey hunter patricia neal and he was a, there was a show called the new Fa the new faces of 1952 on Broadway and this thing launched like some major characters and and Paul Lind was part of that along with Eartha Kitt and Alice Ghostly wow. and uh eventually Paul Lind got the part of uh of Mr. McAfee and Bye Bye Birdie on Broadway and then that brought him sort of to more national attention and he started getting parts on television and he was one of those that spent in a billion different things uh the munsters and and a lot and he was in son of flumber flubber son of flubber beach <laughs> blanket bingo bill asher and uh and that's probably how he got to to the, to the attention of william asher to hire him to be uncle arthur but he was first on bewitched as a driving instructor not as uncle arthur but they liked him and they brought him back so he was he was one that was an only I think 10 episodes as uncle Arthur and, uh, wow. but a, again, a classic, uh, actor that's almost synonymous with bewitched, even though he wasn't in that many. Wow. Oh, and also Templeton in Charlotte's web. He was the no voice kidding. of Templeton and you know, <laughs> Templeton, the rat, you know, the, of course, the uh, yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Agnes Moorhead was the goose. That's he awesome. was, um, <laughs> And he had this amazing Holly, Halloween special, which is on YouTube, the Paul Lind Halloween special with Margaret Hamilton as a witch. And mm. and it's I mean, she does the whole Wicked Witch thing. And that was in 1976. Billy Hayes, who was Witchy Poo on Pup and Stuff, and Donnie and Marie were on that show as well. And um, an interesting story. He was a drinker, heavy drinker, nasty, nasty drinker. Like he would turn. They say he was fine up until about four drinks. And he mm. would turn. But there was an incident that happened with him in New York that it was in 1965, I think, that he was partying around, partying with some kid, 24-year-old guy, 
Oliver said they were he was, they were horsing around was the quote and drinking a lot, and the uh, it was San Francisco actually fell off this kid fell off the eighth floor of a balcony of this hotel in San Francisco, oh. so that kind of was a who knows what really happened, but Paul, right. you know, they were, they were drinkers big time. And also, you know, Paul Lynn was gay and it was at a time where he hardly hid his homosexuality, but it probably hindered his, uh, his, his choices as far as work mm-hmm. goes, um, which is why he was on the Hollywood squares as much as he was and resented right. that too, because it sort of pigeonholed him literally the center square. <laughs> Did you ever watch his, uh, his show, the Paul Lynn show? Oh, the sitcom? Yeah, what, what was the setup for it? I don't even know. Well, it was probably just a father, you know. I remember there were kids. Right, but, um, like another I family it, sitcom. Yeah, I think it was basically just that. Wow. Uh, probably going on the Bye Bye Birdie thing, too, which which pissed him hmm. off when he, was made the, when he was in the Bye Bye Birdie film because he was supposed to be the star of it. Well, the, the um, yeah, basically the star of it. But Anne Margaret, it was her first movie. And he was mm-hmm. like, well... I was the big cheese on Broadway, uh, you know, although Dick Van Dyke was the title, it was the star. But I mean, Paul Lynn was going to be the big deal. And then it became introducing Anne Margaret and Paul Lynn right. kind of had a chip on his shoulder about that, too. Mm-hmm. But um, but he was, yeah, say he was a legendary drinker. And he passed away on uh, January 10th, 1982, uh, is 55 years old, uh, had a heart attack in his sleep, I think was the official ruling. Yeah, a lot of rumors about his death. A lot of people think that say that he was doing poppers with a with a male prostitute, and, and uh, that was out. always <laughs> yeah. And he and he had a heart attack after that. But it turns out that he was good friends with Paul Barisi, who was the detective. But Paul Barisi was friends with Paul Lind, and Paul Barisi is the one who found Paul Lind's body. And they always mm. say that, you know, somebody was with Paul Lind when he died, but that's not, he said that Paul Barisi said that the, uh, the house was locked and alarmed. And when he broke into the house, the alarm went off. So, right. um, and it was yeah. when Paul Lind like didn't show up for a birthday party or something, I think yeah. they went over to check on him. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, he was a, a Facebook friend of mine, Paul Barisi, Barisi for a while. There's a rabbit hole. Look up Paul Barisi and John Travolta. <laughs> I'll keep you busy for a while. So uh, just a couple of uh, other characters that I wanted to talk about. Uh, mm-hmm. One of them was Bernard Fox, who played Dr. Bombay. He was in, I believe, he was in 19 episodes with a total of 29 costume changes. He was very what? famously, you know, calling Dr. Bombay, calling Dr. Bombay emergency come right away. And he would show up in scuba gear or, you know, skiing with a beautiful <laughs> right. woman on his side. And uh, and he was also, he, he did an episode of that Tabitha show as well. So the, mm-hmm. you had the Kravitzes as well. And he was born in Wales, Port Talbot, Wales which is where Peg Entwistle's from, who jumped off the Hollywood sign. Wow. And also Anthony Hopkins is from Port Talbot, Wales. It's a little tiny hmm. town, and in, 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 uh, I think Shirley Bassey's from there, too. And he is, Bernard Fox was in the movie Titanic, the, the big one with Leonardo DiCaprio, but he was also in the first one, A Night to Remember, in 1958, where he played the guy in the crow's nest saying, uh, uh, Iceberg right ahead. So Holy Bernard cow. Fox was in A Night to Remember and in Titanic, which is kind of mm-hmm. an interesting bit of trivia that he was in both the major Titanic movies. Right. And uh, and he passed away on December 14, 2016. 
at the age of 89 years old. Uh, a quick mention of Mabel Anderson, who played uh, the mother, Darren's mother, uh, Phyllis Stevens, who always had a, a sick headache. And uh, she was the neurotic one that kind of had the idea that Samantha was a witch and was never, uh, she would see stuff kind of like like Sandra Gould would or Alice Pierce as the Alice, as the uh, Gladys Kravitz character. Uh, she was the sister of Jack Albertson, who was Willy Wonka, Grandpa Joe. And Willy Wonka oh, right and, the, uh, and the Chocolate Factory. And mm. she was also in uh, Barefoot in the Park. She was on What's Up, Doc. She was in, and also one of those Make Room for Daddy, Gunsmoke, uh, Andy Griffith Show, uh, a billion things like that. And she died on September 28, 1982, uh, complications from Alzheimer's. And then Maurice Evans, who played um, Maurice and Dora's ex-husband, Samantha's father, uh, who was... Um, he was also in the Tabitha show with Lisa Hartman. He was in um, Rosemary's Baby. He played a warlock in Rosemary's huh. Baby as well. Maurice Evans died on March 12th, uh, 1989 at the age of 87. Uh, another accomplished, like as in John Gielgud actor, classic British actor that mm -hmm. uh, is best known for being on Bewitched for 12 episodes, uh, oh. at least to American audiences. Sure. Um, and then I think that's what I have as far as the uh, the actors from uh, Bewitched. I think that's pretty much all of them. I wanted to talk quickly about uh, one of the artifacts we have in our museum. So Liz Sheridan, who was in this relationship with James Dean for a year, which is significant. Her nickname was Dizzy Sheridan. She was also signed, I think, Jerry Seinfeld's mother on Seinfeld, who uh, okay. uh, Liz Sheridan was a regular on Seinfeld. And when Elizabeth Montgomery died, Liz Sheridan got this wicker settee, and now it's mine. It ended up in our museum. And it was kind of funny because I did that short YouTube series with Aaron Murphy, who played mm -hmm. Tabitha, and we did it sitting on Elizabeth Montgomery's settee, which is was kind That's of awesome. Fun. Yeah, yeah. That's, I, I love those kind of like little poetic pieces of, of mm. silliness. But mm -hmm. um, And we cannot finish this without about at least addressing for just a moment the Bewitched movie that was made. Oh, with Will Ferrell. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Talk about a missed opportunity, you yeah. know? We, we used to play, of course, we're gays is what we do. We used to sit in bars and drink and cast a Bewitched movie just for conversation. <laughs> <laughs> and they and Nicole Kidman was always going to be Samantha Stevens. She's perfect choice. Now, yeah. instead of Will Ferrell for Darren, we would have had Jim Carrey. I think he would have been a very good Darren. Oh, he would have nailed it. You're right. And for Endora, they had Joan Collins in the movie. No, no. They had Shirley MacLaine in the movie. But Joan Collins would have been perfect as Endora. Those would have been that was our dream. Our dream cast was those. I think Michael right. Caine was fine as Maurice, the father, but uh, but those those guys would have been good. But the whole show, I think yes. New York Times said it was that movie was an unmitigated disaster, and yeah. uh, it's a real shame because they had a lot of opportunity to be really special. Yeah, it was just an uh, uninspired script, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, remake a movie. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. It doesn't affect the original one as far as I'm concerned. Right. But, uh, yeah, totally. but they really missed the boat with that one. 
Yeah. And, uh, it's unfortunate, but there you are. Speaking of reboots, did you see the uh, uh, West Side Story, the new one? Did I see it? Yeah. No. Oh, the Spielberg? Yeah. You didn't no. see it? Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> Never mind. No, no, I'm not. I'm not into. I'm not into the musicals so much. So I'm uh, not either. But because it was Spielberg and West Side Story, I was in West Side Story in high school, so I had I had a connection. And then the fact that the Spielberg and he did an amazing job on it. Um, did he? It was, it's good. It's really good. But no, I'm not a big musical guy either. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I'll cut that out. You don't have to because it's interesting. Yeah. It's fascinating, Mike. I love talking it didn't about go this anywhere. stuff. <laughs> that's my life my conversations go nowhere um the last thing i guess we could talk about just briefly was is the uh the children bewitched the, the two boys the adam you know was sort of like the they would say jump the shark but bewitched was done i think that last season you know before mm-hmm. it started it was like an obligation we're just gonna do this that was like a yeah financially motivated almost or or maybe a um uh, contractually obligated and they did have the son adam and were twin boys david and greg lawrence who it turned out later uh were tony curtis's kids that um that was announced on some talk show that they there were huh. the the term illegitimate isn't politically correct anymore but they were a uh an, a product of an affair that tony mm. curtis had these twin boys and uh as far as I know, they're still alive. I haven't looked, but uh, but yeah, <laughs> I think. Wow. no, they are. I did look. They are alive. <laughs> <laughs> I would hope so. They're they're youngish still. I would think. You, you know, we're talking about these. Did you do you watch that WandaVision show? You watch that? Yeah, it was amazing. Did you like it? Really? I I, did. I, I um I I lost interest really quickly in it. I know it's not for but, everybody, but it really, um, if you get, you got to get through the first few episodes, it gets more interesting as it goes. It expands beyond the kind of limited black and white sitcom vibe at the beginning. It really, it, mm-hmm. it, it goes through the eras really fast, through the decades of television quickly after a certain point. Yeah, I thought And they really did cool. do a, like a, an almost identical Bewitched episode, as I understand it, on one of mm. they, like They recreated the sets and everything. I think that there was they, something like that, yeah. They did that yeah. uh, the, in the few episodes that I watched. They did that quite. I mean, the, redoing the Dick Van Dyke living room and stuff like that. That was incredible. So the the, the amount of detail that they put into these things is 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 really Amazing. incredible. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I, di- I never saw the. I didn't make it as far as the Bewitched one goes. Anyway, another another episode down. Right, we did it. That's Bewitched, everybody. Yeah. There's a we I think our podcast is probably longer than the entire season of Bewitched. <laughs> yeah, it was uh um the it, you can watch um you can buy seasons of Bewitched on Amazon on I want to say maybe or on Paramount maybe through Amazon. I can't I'm not exactly sure. Um and I don't know if it's streaming free anywhere, but you can definitely get it on Amazon if you want to. I think to. you can probably back find and, the Bewitched Bewitched movie pretty easily on the streaming oh gosh. free. Yeah, I think you could actually get it for cheaper than you could buy a season of Bewitched for sure. They, uh, it's interesting to watch these old shows too because they're a product of their time, and you know the the roles of husbands and wives, that kind of old fashioned, you know, the housewife and cooking dinner for the husband and trying to know when he's going to be home for it and all that. It's interesting to watch them and and I want to watch it. Um, I want to skip through some seasons and get because you know a lot happened in the world between 1964 and 1972. 
when, yeah. when the show began and ended. And I would love to go compare, you know, and contrast the last season with the first season, um, just yeah. to, to see how things changed culturally yeah. and, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that first season when you see like Endora coming out and she's actually very, you know, sort of conservative and she became this clown, you know, towards the end. I mean, I loved it, but it's the way the crazy red hair and the, you know, the wild makeup. And she wasn't like that at the beginning. Yeah. I went back and watched, um, I, I binged all of Cheers. Oh like my God. A couple of years ago, <laughs> which I never really watched. I mean, I was a kid when that was on and watching a you know, a show about adults hanging out in a bar wasn't really my thing. But what was really interesting about it was that, you know, Ted Danson's character, he's the, the lead character in it. He is at the beginning of the run. He's a total womanizer. And mo uh, so many of the yeah. gags, you know, on his character, his Sam Malone character, you know, he's this ex baseball player. Uh, womanizing guy yeah. but as the show progressed through the 80s <laughs> and headed into the 90s that went away that went away almost completely and because it was no longer cool for him to be you know a womanizer and the misogynistic jokes went away and stuff that was funny in you know 1982 or 83 uh, were not funny anymore by you know the late 80s uh, yeah and it's interesting how that morphed so i would really want to watch i want to watch bewitched and these old shows like this that ran for a long time just to see how that how the, the dynamics changed and how the characters yeah. kind of altered yeah yeah because I, I seem to recall there was a couple of uh yeah, it's a very socially relevant episode. Just leave it at that. And there, a very special episode, as they would call it. Back in the day, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The after school specials. Yeah, but yeah, cool stuff. Bewitched. What a great show it was, and is still, and it is still. You can watch it, and it holds up. You know. Yeah. yeah some shows just don't, and that one will always. And the effects for being on a TV budget, the effects that they had to do in every episode are not terrible. Yeah, they're actually pretty cool. You know, she has to do a lot of, cause she has to do witchcraft all the time. And actually there was some pretty cutting edge effects for their time that they did with that um, stuff, you know, we're compositing in like the, the Jack and the Beanstalk one is a good example where they have to show large people standing next to small people. And, uh, you know, that was all done with probably back then, like blue screen, uh, yeah. pre green screen, but yeah. Yeah. They, they did a really good job. The, 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 the cut takes were, were a bit choppy, but it didn't matter cause it was, it right. was. It was great. And and also yeah. the, the way they mask him with those explosions when like major characters would show up uh, with the smoke effects and mm -hmm. stuff like that. That was always so cool. But uh, and the, the split screen with um, with Samantha and Serena is always really interesting to to watch closely because that's yeah. a, that's a, that's an interesting effect. I mean, they they did that with two pieces of film, didn't they? And spliced them together. I mean, that's that's what they would yeah. have had to do with a split screen. Right. I mean. Yep, that's right. And uh, so that's interesting. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining us again. The world keeps getting crazier, but we stay the same level. Same level. Uh, all the energy <laughs> that we started the show with, we still yeah. have. Yes. <laughs> that, that day we started in El Coyote, it's still, still got the fire. <laughs> well yeah, thank you so much so thank you guys for watching appreciate it and uh mike yeah. it's always a pleasure to spend time with you you as well scott and uh, again check out um if you want we always make these shows free but check out our patreon if you want to throw a few bucks our way it's always appreciated uh, and you get helps, you get a free a patreon episode uh that's yeah, right that no one else gets so yeah that's right um so thanks again everybody for joining us and we'll see you on the next one until next time.
This has been an episode of the Dearly Departed Podcast. Dig up more episodes at dearlydepartedpod.com and on iTunes and Google Play. See you next time. <laughs>